Hello everyone, my name is Jerry from Kill the Cast and I am super proud to bring you the newest show to the Kill the Cast family, the Friday Nightmares Podcast. This is the first show to be part of the Kill the Cast Presents line that doesn't have me on it. And that's simple because my two close friends, Scott and Heather, are so good, they just don't need me. And I had to help bring this podcast to the world. So please enjoy this new show covering Lords of Chaos and the Nightingale as they discuss what is horror.
Hello and welcome to the Friday Nightmares podcast, a monthly show dedicated to the horror and horror-related topics where we will discuss two horror films based off of a theme. I am one half of your hosts, Mr. Crawford. I am a lead writer of pophorror.com and one of the hosts from the now-defunct The Podcast by the Cemetery. I'm Heather Powell, and I am a co-host of It's Not Horror Okay, and I've been on NFW and a variety of other podcasts, and I just got into this about a year ago, so I'm very happy to be working with Mr. Crawford, who's going to show me the ropes of podcasting. I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, we decided we wanted to start uh, start our own podcast. Like, we might as well give a little bit of a description on how we met and yeah. how we became friends and how this came to be. So I stalked Scott on Facebook, much like I have with the rest of the Horophilia and Legion podcast community. Um, and I saw that he and I had a lot of stuff in common, and we reached out to each other back in November. And it turns out we live three hours apart. So Scott and I record in person. Um, I think that's an important thing to note. I live in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, not just Canada. And (laughs) Scott lives in Michigan. So it's about a three hour drive. So we will be recording in person. And we actually got together a month ago. Yep. That was the first time we uh, met in person. And we decided to, uh, you decided actually that you wanted to come out that weekend because of uh, this theater in uh, Howell called the Historic Howell Theater. Where once a month they are playing uh, usually a double feature horror films like of old school stuff. And it just so happened one of my all-time favorite films, horror and just in general, Gremlins was playing at the theater back to back with Black Christmas. And you had heard about that so you wanted to like make that the weekend. That's true. Through our conversations, um, I realized how much happens in Michigan. So for any of my Canadian friends that are listening, you know that we actually don't have a lot besides TIFF and the occasional uh, horror conventions. So when Scott told me about this historical theater, theater that had all these horror movies, and plus I thought Scott was a super cool dude, and I was super excited that we were only three hours apart. Um, I was very excited to come out, and it was great. We uh, We actually went to a really nice brewery beforehand. And we had some really good food, and then we went to this theater, which unfortunately didn't pay their heating bills that month because it was extremely cold in the theater. Yep, we <laughs> <laughs> we made it through Gremlins, and then uh, we just couldn't handle. Like it was like really cold day that day. It was it was pretty bad. Um, but the the who puts on this, and I, I think what I really want to talk about, which I thought was really cool, was it's a horror society. I guess. Do you know the name of it, Scott? Do you remember? I'm what it's trying called? to remember. I think it was like. The Werewolf Society yeah, or something like that? I think that? it was that. And it's for young people. It's for teenagers. And the gentleman that runs it gave a little bit of, I would say, a semi-lecture before Grandma's. He had some some key talking points about the production of it, um, you know, that originally it was supposed to be a lot gorier than it actually was. And that was very interesting. And the gentleman was decked out in gremlin gear, and him and Scott really hit it off because both of them love gremlins. And it was just, it was a fun, it was a really fun night, and we had a very good time together. Scott and I have similar interests and also different interests when it comes to horror but we have very va- similar values similar ways that we look at the horror community and we wanted to do a further discussion we wanted to talk about um different themes and i'll let him go into more about what our podcast will be about but we really wanted to kind of focus down because we love doing commentary commentaries scott is also now a co-host on it's not horror okay and we have a blast on that show yeah that show is a lot of fun and like originally we even joked about it how it was like 
uh, Nudie had joked about it, how it's like uh, someone that's a guest ends up eventually just becoming a co-host of the show. And sure as shit, that's pretty much what happened here. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. So if you guys haven't had a chance to listen, if you're not a big horror fan, it's still, we cover action movies from the 80s and, ni- and mostly 80s. I shouldn't say 90s, 80s and 70s. And, and it's great. But Scott and I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I had listened to all of his episodes of Podcast by the Cemetery, which, by the way, Scott does not live by a cemetery. So that is... Uh, false advertising, so that's why we're not co- longer calling it this. Podcast <laughs> Cemetery. That's fair. <laughs> Just kidding. But he and Randall and Tim did a phenomenal job on that podcast. And um, as I said, you know, from the experience that I've had with doing Kill the Cast, and then recently being on No More Room in Hell, I really wanted the opportunity to work with him. So here we are. Yep, and I am excited because this is uh this is kind of something I've always wanted to do with this show as well because. Uh, you know, a little bit about what we're going to do with the show, the, like the structure, we should say. Like, you know, we're going to have, uh, we're choosing two movies to review. Um, I think we're still kind of up in the air if it's always going to be two newer films or a newer film and an older film, or it might just be whatever we feel like that fits, but we're going to make a topic that fits around these two films. And, like, we'll discuss, like, the topic ahead of time. Like, for this, for example, this episode is is it horror? Um, cause there has been a lot of debates like with certain films and like the two that we're covering tonight are 2019 horror films. Well, 2019 films, I should say mm-hmm. Lords of chaos and the nightingale. And we're going to, you know, just kind of give the thoughts on those films and review them and hopefully kind of do a deep dive on the topic of what we consider horror. And at the end of our reviews, we're going to discuss if we think these films are horror and should they be like considered as part of the horror genre and yeah each episode we're going to try doing a different theme we have a couple ideas lined up like they may not be as deep dive discussions as some other topics but we're going to see what we can come up with i think the one that i'm most looking forward to is when we're scott and i are going to both watch movies that we're uncomfortable with um and we'll see which movies they'll be but both of us have different reasons for the two movies that we've selected. And um, because we record together, we've agreed to watch these films together. Yes, exactly. So I think that it will be really, really good. I don't know if that will be February or March or, or when we'll do that one for, but I'm really looking forward to that. Yep, I'll say that one is definitely a future show. We're just not sure when we will. We haven't really kind of planned out our next episodes yet. We're still kind of working out the kinks with this. So I hope you guys just enjoy what we end up doing. But the... Uh, one thing I'll give it this too is, uh, you know, the structure of the show in general is we're going to cover like horror news and uh, what we've been watching and then discuss the topic and then review the movies. And then like uh, I'll probably have like music from one of the films bringing us into the show and one of the songs from the f- later film bringing us out like doing the outro of the show we'll see kind of how that goes like as we continue like i eventually maybe want to try to get some cool intro music like done by somebody that we know and but yeah this is gonna be fun i'm looking forward to where the show will go absolutely all right so now we are going to jump into uh the horror news which is mainly going to be talking about upcoming trailers for the coming months and uh a little bit of convention news but uh, to start off with, let's talk about the Grudge remake coming out. 
Remake part two. Part two. Well, I guess, yeah, because um, both of Scott and I were talking, and we haven't seen the original one. So I believe it's a Japanese film. Yep. Juwan. Juwan. Um, I've only seen the one from, I guess, what was it, 2001? The, the... Yeah, it was 2001, 2002, early somewhere 2000s. around there. Yeah, we're going to go with early 2000s. Um, and then the remake. And I was very excited for the remake, actually. I When I got here... Um, the first thing that Scott and I did was I, I asked him if he had seen the trailer because it came out on the Friday night and I thought maybe we could go see it sometime. Um, and I showed him the trailer and, and we were, I think you were impressed with the trailer. Yeah, I was actually, it looked better than I expected it to because I was, granted, I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I wasn't the biggest fan mm. of the remake. Like there were certain parts about it I liked, but all in all, I wasn't a huge fan, so I didn't think about looking up the trailer for this, but I know you and I were talking like this is going to be an episode that we will be doing at some point. We're going to cover Juwan, the Grudge remake, and then the newer Grudge remake. Yeah, and, and I think in one of the trailers I saw it said something like a new version or a new interpretation, which I think is good that we're doing that now because since Child's Play came out in, uh, earlier back in 2019, some people were upset because of the... Um, the AI piece, and I don't feel like that's a spoiler. Like, you learn about the AI piece pretty early on. Right. Right? That's a readaptation of, of a story. And I think that's what they're doing with this grudge. And I really liked... I, I really like Japanese folklore. I like the the revenge idea of the grudge. I like the idea that the grudge uh, or this entity haunts you once you enter this home and, and follows you and does all these crazy bad things. Like, I think that concept is really cool. But... As we were getting ready to record, there hasn't been a lot of good feedback from our community on yeah, The Grudge. I heard uh, Cinema Score gave it an F, which <laughs> does not sound very promising, though. And there's been a few podcasters that we know that have seen it that also said it was pretty bad. Though, granted, we are both of the type where we will see it and judge for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, Sure, we take others' opinions into account, but we don't let that affect wh- how we watch the film. But we both are like similar in that way where, you know, we will watch it and make our own decision. And Scott and I had a really great conversation last night. So I should probably explain. When I come down, I visit Scott for a couple of nights because I am driving, crossing the border, and I want to bring back booze. So I stay <laughs> for right. a couple of days. Um, and we were chatting last night about how perceptions of horror and we're going to get into this later but but what scares you is very different per person like we were talking about our top 10 list and um what we really found interesting this year and a lot of that does come to personality right so some people may see the grudge um and not like that film in general just because that's not their jam or it could just be a really shitty poorly done film um rotten tomatoes has scored it really low but rotten tomatoes scores everything low like i'm not a big rotten tomatoes Subscriber, I don't know how you feel about that, Scott, but I don't find it useful. I don't find anything Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb eh, IMDb reviews. Like, I don't, like, I'll look at them, but I don't go, okay, they gave it a terrible score, so it's going to be terrible. It's more like, okay, I can lower my expectations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then go in knowing that. And then with lowered expectations, I may end up enjoying it even more because of that. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I will probably watch, well, we'll probably watch it together at some point. I don't know if we'll do a theater watch um, at one of my visits that I'm down to go see it. Right. 
but we probably will watch it. Um, I, I, as I said, I, I like the whole revenge folklore thing. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the way uh, Japanese folklore is in that area. So I don't know. It, it looks interesting from the clips from the trailer. I feel like the trailer doesn't give everything away. I guess maybe if you've seen the first American adaptation of it, you have an idea of some of the scenes that they reused. None of it to me is very sh- shocking. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see and judge for myself. Yep. And, uh, we should also note that we're, uh, we don't mind watching trailers. Yeah, we should probably, yeah, we watch trailers. Yep. Like I know <laughs> there, I know a lot of people in our community refuse to watch them because yeah, they, trailers are bad at spoiling stuff. Like, I mean, look at the Pet Cemetery remake, mm-hmm. for example, that is an example of, I wish I never seen that trailer because mm-hmm. that could have made my opinion on the film a little different when I actually watched it. Well, the trailer never should have been made. Yeah. Like, that was a trailer that was poorly done. Um, yeah. That's so, all to say on that. But, yeah. I, even with that, I still watch trailers just because I love horror so much that when something new gets announced, I'm like, oh, I gotta at least see the trailer mm-hmm. and just kind of mm-hmm. see what it's going to be like. Um, but, yeah. like The next film we can talk, like the trailer we're going to talk about is called The Turning. I did not see the release date for this. Did you happen to Yeah, know? I think it's at the end. Well, in Canada... I believe it's coming out uh, the 29th okay. of January. So I don't know if it's any different. Sometimes our release dates are different and you guys get stuff in the States that we don't. Silly Canadians. <laughs> so that's great now because I know Scott and I can just come over here to see all the other movies. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's coming out at the end of January. And I've seen the trailer, but I got Scott to watch it for the first time. So maybe, what are your thoughts? I'm intrigued. Uh, it looks kind of like a ghost story supernatural thing uh stars finn wolfhard which holy crap he looks much older than he just did like in it chapter one and two yeah he's growing up yeah he's growing up fast puberty is hit <laughs> <laughs> that's true and good for him like let's give a, cr- a credit to a child actor here that's continuingly like from stranger things to to it like to this movie like good for him for continuously getting jobs yep and he's sticking to the genre so far yes. it seems too which yes. is cool yes and maybe he'll be just like one of those uh horror actors that we will just come to know and love throughout the years if he continues this way absolutely absolutely but uh yeah it, uh I, from the trailer it looked like it was uh a nurse was coming to a troubled youth a, na- a nanny a nanny goes to a mansion of rich people to be to take care of the children whose parents have passed away Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. And yet, like, and it seems like uh, the children know things that are going on there, like, supernaturally, mm-hmm. and they kind of hint at things throughout the trailer, but it looks pretty interesting. I'm not a big fan of most modern-day ghost stories, like I was telling you, like, I think yesterday yeah, or something. Yeah, last night we were talking about that, yeah. Like, certain ones hit me, but, like, I'm more a fan of the 70s, 80s ghost stories where it's just a little more... uh I like something about those ones like actually get to me but i'm not sure why the newer i think a lot of the newer ones rely too much on jump scares mm-hmm. yeah so i'm i'll wait and see but i am this i am very curious about this one and i will probably go see it in theaters at some point you know it's interesting i agree with you scott but i, I think also when i look at that movie as much i i think what i'll enjoy is the filming of it because i feel like i already have an idea how it will end and i oh, and yeah. i feel like watching it i have an idea that it will be a twist <laughs> right 
and I and I but also this is coming from two people that are season horror fans, right? Right. And, and Scott and I were talking about this last night as well. We actually had a really good conversation last night. We probably should have recorded that. But yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> um, we were talking about how season horror fans and the average viewer are different, and and when we talk about what is horror, we're going to get into that a little bit more. But uh, watching that, it looks it looks well filmed. It looks decently well acted. Um, I think it will be enjoyable. Do I think it will be overly scary? I don't think so. No, um, I, didn't, and I didn't think it's give a that off. Pre- I think it's a little predictable. Like from my view, I could be wrong though. Right. I was saying, well, that if if something is predictable, but then or if something we think is going to be predictable, but then it ends up not being, then mm-hmm. awesome. Actually, absolutely. Like if you can catch uh, seasoned horror fans like us off guard, that kudos to you. Yeah. No, for sure, absolutely. Because I mean, we've seen a lot of things to where we can kind of predict where a lot of stuff's going to go. Well, I mean. Two of the most, for the most part. There are a lot of films that have surprised me, especially throughout these last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it's reusing of plots, right? Like, we were talking about Friday the 13th last night. I made a great debate, guys, about Friday the 13th. Um, about basically what would happen if it was released now. And Scott made a really good point about the plot twist. And how at that time in 1980, it was it was really, like, controversial. The, you know, the change in it. But that's been done so many times now. And yeah. I, And sometimes we're seeing these new movies, but it's it's the same plot. <laughs> yeah exactly right just it's repackaged and resold um which at least with remakes you know that you're getting that <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but but we'll see it looks it looks as i said it looks well filmed it looks like it could be entertaining enough right um and then yeah we should move on to the next one uh the next trailer was gretel and hansel which uh looks like it's a new twist on the <laughs> grim fairy tale and uh it looks like it stars, I'm not sure of her name, but the actress who played Beverly or Bev in It Chapter 1 yep. and 2, the young version of Bev. And it yeah, it looks like it's just kind of another retelling of that story. And it looks pretty creepy in mm-hmm. certain moments. Like, this is one that I'm actually kind of hyped for and looking forward to. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds like to me it's going back to what Grimm, the Grimm brothers originally created right so it right. was supposed to be very dark very not happy endings um stuff like that more of a sad kind of not everybody lives kind of stuff or whatever <laughs> right. maybe i feel like it's very artistic even with the trailer even with some of those shots it's a very artsy film which can go either way i think artsy films that have good plot good acting move move that move quickly are great Artsy films for the sake of being artsy and just having really cool shots are boring. Yes. So it will I can be, give you that. It will be interesting. I'm not as excited as Scott is. I'm not as impressed as Scott is. Um, but I also like Scream 3, which apparently is is not an Oscar winning film according to Scott. I don't no. know. Maybe you guys should email us and only if you agree with me. And I'll give my email later. Only if you agree with me that Scream 3 is really good. But... We have different tastes in some areas, so he may be more. Yeah, I, I obviously this. have the better taste, <laughs> but I'm I'm honestly not too sure of it. I'm not sure if it's just too over the top artistic and too over the top, like trying to be different and and or maybe it's going to be really good. I feel like it could go either way for me. Right. <laughs> this is just one that I'm like because the other ones like the Grudge I was looking forward to possibly seeing in the theaters, uh, but this one was more like okay, I'm kind of hyped on this one. This one looks fun. And, you know, that's when I go to theaters, I want a fun experience. Yeah, that's or, true. Like, or, like, when I'm in the mood for the more art house style horror films, I like to go to those. Because you don't see those in theaters very often. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But uh, 
that is i think we all oh we did have the underwater trailer as well mm. which a lot of people probably have seen by now because they've been promoting the crap out of this one but it's uh stars Kristen stewart and it's basically almost looks like the abyss just ramped up with more horror elements and like some unknown looking sea monsters yep, yep. Oh, which kind of almost reminded me like like from the trailer, like uh, scenes from Pitch Black where you don't see the creatures, yes. but they're like off in the darkness. Yes. And... and the trailer gives you a basic understanding, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a sea mission where they get stuck, right? Like, yeah, and they're, I think, seven miles under, the bottom, under the ocean. Under the ocean, which is pretty deep. Like, yeah. And I, we haven't, I, we haven't explored that deep. I think we've done more in outer space than we have going deep down in the ocean. I could be wrong on that, but I think it will be very interesting because we don't really know all the creatures that exist in this planet. Yeah, exactly. And that's why this, this one I'm like willing to watch too. Cause, uh, I have a fear of the unknown, especially in the ocean. So mm. this one will probably get under my skin a bit and give me that claustrophobic feel of being under water in pitch black, not knowing what you will find. Absolutely. So I think this one may have an interesting effect on me when I go to check it out. That's exciting. Yeah, and it looks like it's pretty high budget, too, like with a lot of the effects and everything. That, so I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to play out. Like, I do love seeing that horror films are coming out with, like, much bigger budgeted style. And, like, this looks like it could be more, like, sci-fi horror-ish in a way. I agree, yeah. And it's nice to see a variety for everyone. Like, yeah. someone who maybe likes this movie may or may not like... Um, the turning, for example, or may or may prefer Hansel and is it Hansel Gretel or is uh, it Gretel, Gretel and Hansel? Gretel and Hansel. Um, you know, I and I think that's nice to see variety. Yeah, it's nice not to see the same cookie cutter film. We have a re reversion, readaptation, whatever you want to call it, and then we have these other films, and then there's more that we'll talk about. There's a couple that I'm really excited for later on this year. One of them is the Fear Street trilogy. For any R.L. Stein fans really? that are listening, yeah. I did not know that was coming Fear out. Fear Street. Did you read Fear Street? I used to love the shit out of Fear oh, Street. Of course you did. We're horror fans. That's what we do. Um, so I'm really excited for that to come out this year. Hopefully it's uh, it's not disappointing. But January looks good. It looks yeah. entertaining. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. like, Because I was telling you about this too, <laughs> that uh, January is known for the dumping ground for films. Like all yeah. films in general. And this is like where studios don't know what to do with this film or how to promote it so they just kind of throw it in this month like it's getting better and better to the point where january's actually had some pretty good hits mm -hmm. like but like for a while there that's literally what, what what it was is well we have no faith in this we don't want to waste a lot of money on it people are back to school back to work after the holidays let's just throw it here people want to go see it they'll go see it and that's interesting because that's where some of the my one of my favorite movies from last year was Escape Room, and that came out the first week of January. And I've been talking to Scott about it and really playing it up. So hopefully he'll watch that. Yeah, I um, plan on uh, adding that into my list this week to watch. Um, but I really enjoyed that one, and that came out in January, and I could see why it came out. I, I don't think it had the push in the box office, but it's it's an excellent film. It's not bloody, it's not really gory, but it's fun. Right. And I and it's a it's an adventure. It's a nice little adventure, and it's something different. Like it's a plot that hasn't been done before. Like. People could argue that it's like Saw. I think it's nothing like Saw. Saw is a lot more graphic, a lot more violent, a lot more bloody, a lot more mean-spirited. I don't think Escape Room is that. It's more of an action adventure with a little bit of horror. What it reminded me of from just watching the trailer, 
I would say is Cube. Yes, I think Cube would be the closest comparison. Like I'm like obviously I don't know if that's any true similarities or not until I watch the movie, but that's what I got from the trailer. I think that's a very good comparison. Yeah. Yep. So, that, but yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out just because you and I, like I said, we have very similar mm-hmm. tastes. We do have differing tastes as well. But so I'm kind of curious to see where this one will land with me. All right. But um, uh, one more thing I'm going to be bringing up is uh, a little bit of convention talk. Uh, we have Astronomicon. I guess they would call. I guess they call it Astronomicon Three. So it's their third year. It's going to be in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Uh, it's the weekend of I think February sixth to February eighth, and it's kind of like a pop culture type convention where it's a lot of horror film uh, actors and directors, pro wrestlers, mm-hmm. and like other movies and TV show guests from other genres of stuff. And the part that I find interesting, like if you've heard, you might've heard about this convention from Randall and I, when we were on the podcast by the cemetery, we talked about it last year, but it's been created and ran by the members of twisted, which is, you know, under like used to be under the label of ICP's, uh, uh, I think it was, hatchet army or if I, I could be wrong on that like yeah I didn't, psycho- I didn't know what icp was till he told me by the way so he's looking at me and i yeah folks she has no idea what a juggalo I, is i know now but what i didn't is a juggalo <laughs> oh, never mind we won't go there <laughs> but yeah it's it's an interesting and really fun convention and like this is their third year and they've already got some pretty cool guests like they have tom atkins uh they have uh what was it that I showed you? Alexa, what's her name? Bliss. Alexa Bliss. Uh, the Boogeyman from WWE. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Terrifier. Don, oh, yep. Uh, Art the Clown, uh, the director of Terrifier, Damian Leone, and uh, David Howard Thornton. And David Howard Thornton's going to be dressed up as Art the Clown, and you can get photo ops with him, which that's pretty freaking cool. That is pretty amazing. Bill Mosley is going to be uh, in there and he's going to be in his chop top outfit from texas chainsaw massacre 2 and you can get photo ops with lloyd kaufman who is just so much fun to talk to one of the best probably one of the best uh celebrity guests i've ever gotten to meet Mm -hmm. uh like this if when i go this will probably be the third time i talk to him because i just love him and he's so friendly and just loves the low budget independent films and just he's just a goofy old man and it's hilarious how many conventions have you been to now scott uh i've only been to motor city astronomicon and flint HorrorCon, but i've been going every year for gosh i want to say seven eight years wow that's a long time yeah and i like flint HorrorCon and motor city were both in the same year so there i probably went i've been to probably about I'd say 12 to 14 conventions throughout like these eight years. So you have enough to judge by what makes a good one, what makes a, a not so good one. Right. To an extent. I mean, I haven't been to like the big ones like Days of the Dead or Fright, Texas Frightmare or anything like that. Because I hear those ones are like massive, like mm. bigger ones. Like, But from my experience so far, Astronomicon and Motor City Nightmares are both a lot of fun and are both completely different as well, which is kind of cool. Awesome. And, yeah, I will probably be talking a lot more about this when we record our next episode, because by then I'll probably have gone to the convention. Yeah. And uh, 
we'll probably just talk about some of my experiences with some of the people I've met and all that stuff. And be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. But uh, that will be the end of the horror news. Uh, we're going to jump into a what we've been watching segment. And what we decided we're going to do here is just kind of like discuss films, at least for right now, that we've like whenever you come to visit, we watch together. And we also watch uh, online together as well. Yep. And we'll just kind of message each other making fun of the movie or like actually discussing <laughs> the movie and some of its like merits and all that stuff. Yep. yep. So like, yeah, we, we figured this would be kind of a fun way like because it gives us like both something we can talk about together and like it's not like just rambling off a list of movies that i've seen because i want like especially towards the end of the year i watch a lot of like the newly released films to try to fill out my top 10 and scott watches everything this is why he is a lead writer at pophorror.com well (laughs) (laughs) i watch most everything i still pick and choose by what looks interesting and by what other people talk about. Like, yeah. there are certain movies I will avoid until I hear otherwise, because I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to waste my time. Like, last year I did that, and there were some turds that I watched. <laughs> what was your number one turd? Can you can you think offhand, uh, Scott, what your number one turd was? Strip Club Massacre. Oh, yes! <laughs> and the only reason I watched that, I think that was last year, it was either last year or the year before, but the only reason I watched that was because it had my uh, favorite softcore porn actress turned horror starlet, Aaron Brown, also known as Misty Monday. Well, there you go, right? Like, I was like, I gotta at least check it out like, and come see. Come on now. And dear God, that movie was a chore to get through. Was like, she at least good to watch in it? Yeah, I mean, she got naked a lot, so I mean, I can't oh, complain there. there you there. go, right? <laughs> there you go. But that was one that... uh. Mr. Watson had warned me about, but I still took the plunge just because I had Aaron Brown and I had to check it out. And Sometimes. him and I, I messaged him afterwards and went, I should have listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to look up one that I watched on Netflix and it was, it was so horrible. It was about a woman whose husband gets killed and this guy pretends to be her husband and she goes to the hospital and takes her home and oh it was as bad as open house did you see open house on netflix nope that was one that i avoided thanks to oh, everybody like going off about it my god it, like you know netflix either hits it out of the park or they suck like yeah. i honestly have yet to find a netflix film where i'm like middle on like yeah, i loved you're... velvet Bl- buzzsaw from this year i loved the perfection yep and now I don't know if Netflix picked those up or produced them because I don't go that deep into them. But those are just two movies from last year that I really enjoyed on Netflix that were released just for Netflix. But other ones are just big piles of crap that I yeah, don't know like, where they come out with. Honestly, I'm thinking uh, Shudder has been the better one for original content this year, I think. Mm. Like a lot of their either exclusive stuff or things that they made, like, you know, produce themselves have been more fun and uh, actually have a lot of films that will be probably in or close to my top 10 for this year. Nice. Or I should say last year because it is 2020 yeah, now. 2020 now. Or a couple I'm days just a, in. I'm just a little behind on like still trying to get my top 10 list it's for 2019. It's the water in Michigan. That's why, guys. Yeah, just don't drink the Flint water. <laughs> Your memory goes to shit. 
Sorry, everybody in Flint. I love you all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's get to some of the movies that we ended up watching. Like, obviously, we watched Gremlins together, which, mm-hmm. like you said, you hadn't seen it in a very, very, oh, very, very, very long, long time. time. Like, I didn't even remember majority of the film. Yeah, and I will say I loved your reaction hearing the uh, Santa Claus story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my like, God. The the one, the pretty much the story that told a lot of children, hey, Santa Claus isn't real, and we're going to scar you when we tell you this. <laughs> and basically, it's the main character talks about how her, her, her father died in the chimney plane to, pretending to be Santa Claus. And it came as such an odd part in the movie as to why she didn't like Christmas. And up to this point, Gremlins is a pretty family-friendly film. You know, yep. I would say it's not too scary. It's something that you could watch easy with children. Like, it's it, <laughs> it's just the most random story. I actually turned and looked at Scott like, what the hell is going on? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, but the way Phoebe Cates just goes through her description of it, too. Yes. Like, you can see, like, this haunted look in her eyes and everything. Like, you're just like, wow, this is disturbing. Like, it was just, I just it, loved your reaction. I thought that was hilarious. Well, it didn't fit with the film. Like, it just, it didn't make any sense to me. Um... Excellent movie, though. And then we actually came back and we watched Gremlins 2, which was not as excellent of a movie, but we had had some adult well, beverages by that point. We will have So some... it made the movie really good. <laughs> we, we have some uh, minor disagreements on that one, because <laughs> Gremlins 1 and 2 are almost, like, Gremlins 1 is a masterpiece in my eyes. Love it. <laughs> Gremlins 2 is a different kind of masterpiece. It's, yeah, it's a masterpiece if you got booze. It's it's really great. <laughs> No, it's basically like, what if the Gremlins and Looney Tunes existed in the same world? That's, yeah, that's fair. I'll I'll accept that. and then, uh, but the one that the thing that'll always sell me on that is like the unique Gremlins, like mm-hmm. the different types of Gremlins in that one, and the creature designs for those Gremlins. Absolutely, the the puppeteering in those films, like you don't see that now. Yeah. You see so much CGI, and it's really shitty CGI sometimes. And that is what I'm afraid of with this pseudo sequel remake that's been in the talks for God, i want to say like seven eight years and now it's like starting to like actually sound like it might be coming true like Did a you script guys has wait. Been written. scott's gonna be angry coming on this podcast talking about remakes vlogging on all the horror <laughs> facebook well, groups <laughs> and you know my opinion on remakes i'm willing to give them a chance cause... as long as not gremlins well no i will <laughs> I will even be willing to give that one a chance, though, like I said, I will be judging that one with a fine tooth, or going through with a fine tooth comb and judging it harshly. Well, that's true. How could it live up to the cinematic, beautiful film that is Gremlins 2? <laughs> it's going to be a tough thing to cross. Be tough, 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 tough sell. I mean, it'll definitely be better than Scream 3, I can already tell you that. <laughs> but, uh, anyways... Uh, we can talk about some of the newer films that we watched on Shudder together. Uh, yeah, we could... Uh, Nightmare Cinema with mm-hmm. the new 2019 uh, anthology film mm. starring uh, Mickey Rourke and... Wow. A bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah, and a bunch of the other people. But Mickey Rourke and his scary plastic surgery that he's gone through over the years. <laughs> Which was pretty scary. That was scary in its own right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does not even look like the same person that I... Remember from Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man back in the 80s. Yeah, like, he doesn't. You're right. It's just, wow, okay. <laughs> but I enjoyed this one. I Like, I think when I rated it, I gave it like an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I think we gave it the same. Yeah. Like, it had some cool stories, 
silly stories mm-hmm. and like one story that was just made no sense. Like I think it was the last story. Yeah, we found a lot of potholes. So so when Scott and I watched this, uh, we were watching it through Messenger. Yep. And um, I really, I think I liked it more than Scott. So I think I gave it an eight point five or a nine. Uh, I, the first one for anyone that's seen it. So spoiler alert, we may give something away here. Um, it's a slasher theme and it's, and it's fun. Like it's not scary. Like it took like, it was like the slasher theme with a twist though. Yes. Yes. And like, they looked like they were going for more of an cheesy eighties. So bad. It's good style slasher aspect with it. Absolutely. And the, um, like, I'll leave that twist out of, like, our yeah. conversation. Yeah. that's just something you just gotta see, like, to believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when I say spoilers, it's just we're talking about the general overview, so some people only want to know that. So, right. Um, the, the general overview that I thought was cool is that it's in this old theater, and these characters kind of get drawn into these theaters, and they watch what's going to happen to them in the future, basically, yes. is my understanding. And the second story was, was, to me, a play on society's idea of beauty and... Um, perceptions i guess you yes. could say and that one i thought was really well done and mm-hmm. creepy and had some really cool lighting and all that excellent special effects and you and you felt for the main character i thought in a yes. short 20 minute 25 minute however long it was you felt for the main character you you felt fear you felt sadness you felt dread yeah, exactly. Um, so that that was great. The third story that was the it was church based, story, the church right? story, and that was more of a like I almost feel like it was like a, a demon zombie apocalypse kind of yes. take on it. And that one was just more of long like predictable, but cheesy and fun and violent. Yeah, and and I, if you listen to No More Room in Hell, Venom talked about that one. I believe that was his favorite, and um. I, I thought it was cool. Like, it was definitely cool. There was some really cool fight scenes in it, so it's fun to watch. Right. The the one after that, though... This is the one that had an effect on you. Yes. Um, I am very uncomfortable with mental illness. Now, I'm not uncomfortable with people who have mental illness. Um, I feel a lot of pain for people that have mental illness, and I find it very upsetting that I can't help people the way I would want to and that's my own view on mental illness and my own wanting to help people and and to help them get through that really dark time and and I really felt like this one was based on mental illness I could be wrong that that's kind of what I gathered from it as well and even when I was watching it with Scott I said at one point in messenger to him wow this is really hitting me and he said well I'm here for you which was very nice Scott's a good friend and yeah, um, you even said like you were glad that we were watching this together because yes. you wouldn't you didn't know how you would have handled that on your own. Yes, and it was it was heavy, and the ending of it was heavy for me. And even the scene back in the theater with the main character that was involved in the in the short story was heavy for me, and that really pushed up the rating for for me personally. Because right. um, I, I really enjoyed that story, but like I, I think I just more enjoyed it for the filmmaking aspect of it because it was the black and white style yes i am a sucker for films like that absolutely and this one like yeah this one had way more of an effect like because none of these stories really had an effect on me for the most part yeah like they were just more like okay cool stories but this one definitely i through your messages i could tell really had an impact on you yeah and we've talked about it since too and yeah and it's definitely it definitely stood with me and then the final one is where scott and i kind of picked it apart a bit 
We found a lot yeah. of potholes. Yeah, that one just made no sense. Like, it was some basically six senseless, six yeah. sense type of film. That's a good way to describe it. And, okay, before we get too far into plot holes, like, Scott and I both understand that, you know, you need to, characters to do dumb things for things to happen. Okay, we get yeah. that. You need, like, to, to you know, push a sense aside of common sense and belief. But this was just so over the top of doing it that it was hard for me to really wrap my head around it. Yeah, like, you were tearing it apart earlier than I was because I was mm-hmm. just kind of like okay maybe a little kind of tie all this up together as like it wraps up or something but no it never really did no like it had just just I don't know weird uh like the filming of it was cool like yes. I had some once again some like this is one thing I will say about this film is a lot of the uh stories in this anthology had some really cool lighting effects which yes I'm a sucker for some awesome lighting absolutely and but yeah this one had some of that as well and it's in a hospital which hospital horror is always something i enjoy as well yeah but this one just was kind of confusing bland and was two full plot holes which yeah we probably shouldn't get into like if you want to see this go see it for yourself it's on shutter and but yeah it's a fun watch all all i would say it's worth it i i definitely it will probably hit my top 10 simply for that fourth story i don't say it would be my number two of the year but it would definitely be it's our number one it's my number one it's right up there that and black christmas for anyone who's heard me on fresh cuts (laughs) how much go see black christmas 2019 if you want to like lose an hour and a half of your life that you'll never get back again um but I, I enjoyed it, and I um, I enjoyed watching it with Scott, too. It was nice watching it with someone who, you know, I, I really value the, the relationship that Scott and I built because we both really like horror movies. And there's something to be said about watching a movie with someone who's as equally knowledgeable or more knowledgeable in other ways and has the same passion for it because the conversations we can get into are a lot deeper. Yes, because uh, I will say that is, like, one thing I've had a lot of fun, like, talking with you about is just the... The way you see films and the way, like, way you, like, your understanding of them is completely different from how I look at it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm more the technical guy. I, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for good stories and all that. But, like, I look at, like, a lot of the stuff behind the film, behind the, what's going behind the screens and all that. And also, you know, just appreciate different aspects of it. Where, yeah, you can find hidden meanings in the things that I went right over my head yeah and that's why i think like our podcast together is gonna be fun because like we'll have, be bringing different things to this table you hear that guys you're not gonna have to listen to any other podcast again no we just are just us we are <laughs> we are gonna be number one on every network out every there every network yes yes i mean because you know my so- ego is already that huge <laughs> this is what happens when you're on what have you been on just to give a little plug you've been on roundhouse no Oh, I've been on the horror cast uh, with the Rotten Roundtable reviews, and uh, did a cinema beef episode with Gary Hill and Suzanne Gary Hill. and Iris, and you know, obviously, it's not horror, okay, with you guys, which you is probably the most you know deepest dive you've done into. Oh, totally! <laughs> like, especially our diehard episode, you got yeah. to listen. You won't believe the stuff Some that was said. Pretty inappropriate conversation, so be warned. If anything offends you, don't listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is probably the best way of putting it. Um. But yeah, we can move on to the next uh, Shutter exclusive that we ended up checking out, which was Party Hard, Die Young. Mm-hmm. We watched it's Christmas Eve. Yes, that was a Christmas Eve one that we watched. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now this one, 
was had some serious pothole issues too. Yeah, you know, it started off strong. I felt, yes. and we watched. Now we watched the English dub version, and the reason why we did that was not because Scott and I are incapable of reading subtitles, but because we were talking over Messenger, and it was just very difficult to read and chat type at the same time yes because um, we, we knew we would like miss things if we did it that way like we were saving any subtitle stuff that we wanted to watch till we were actually in each other's company we could sit down and watch it together yes. that way and it was you know for for a slasher film which it is it's a basic slasher yeah it was okay and i was enjoying it enough and we were both like oh cool kills like good build-up yeah, and then cool the last, mask cool mask and then the last 20 minutes just like Shit the bed. Shit the bed. Like, it just <laughs> went to shit, and we were both like, what the fudge is going on? Try not yeah, to the, swear, sorry. Well, um, we, the whole reasoning behind the revenge and all this type of stuff, and, like, my one complaint, like, I'm not going to get into details, but, like, I, this is the same complaint I had with the film Hush. Mm. The killer didn't wear the mask, as lo- like, took the mask off oh, I take too it soon. Off. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I get it why he did it in Hush, because he's like, oh, who's she going to tell? She can't fucking talk or hear. Well, yeah, yeah. Trying not to swear myself, but it's... <laughs> oh, well, we're going to swear, guys. It's probably going to happen. Yeah, but, uh, like, I understand why he did it there, but that mask was creepy. And just like in Party Hard, Die Young, I thought that mask was kind of cool and creepy, and I yeah. wish the killer would have kept that on for a little bit more. And it's not like people would have, like, freaked out where, like, he was stalking and hunting these people down, because... He's just in a big crowd of people that are at a, like, rave, mm-hmm. dancing and stuff. And people are just going to be like, oh, that's someone just dressed up having a good time. Not thinking that he'd be a killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they could have easily done that. But, no, they didn't. And that that wasn't a point knocked off. But that was just kind of like, oh, that would have been cool to see more of. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like, it was a movie that was fun enough. I was super sick over Christmas. So it was very nice of Scott to watch that movie with me via distance. Right. Um, and like it was, it was a, it was a, it was your basic bitch horror film. Like for lack of a better word, it was your basic poor bitch horror film. It's just a shame that the, the last bit of it kind of wasn't as strong as it could have been. And the ending was so bad. Like the ending was so bad. It was so cheesy and so unrealistic and just oh, it was too much for me. Yep, the kills were mean spirited. I will give it that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ugh. Like I, I'm still cringing at one of them. I won't get into de- details right now. But yeah, there was some pretty mean spirited kills, and that was fun. But yeah, all in all, I think we ended up both going with like a six, six point yeah, five on yeah, this I out think of ten. We did. Yeah, it was. It, mine was, I think, a six. I think I gave it slightly lower yeah. than you because that last twenty minutes just pissed me off so and much. And I'm a little more. It seems like a little more forgiving with my scores a lot of the time. Scott's a nicer person. Let's just put it that way. Scott's a nicer <laughs> human being. <laughs> we will see about that as 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 we progress through this podcast. <laughs> but another one that we ended up watching. Uh, this was a 2018 film, and that was. Uh, Bore. Mm-hmm. I think that was 2018. Well, it came on Shutter in 2019, but I think it was made in 2018. Yes, I think so. But this is basically an Australian creature feature about a massive, way... <laughs> boar. <laughs> overgrown boar. Like, boar that's bigger than a car and running through the, wild, the wilds of the Australian outback and... It is exactly what you expect it would be. Like, mm-hmm. no twists or turns. It just... Big boar. Some silly CGI. Yep. But, like, just fun gore fest. Because, yeah. I, like, I will say, I did not expect it to be as gory as it was. No, it was very gory. Um, the acting was decent. 
yeah. for creature feature. The plot one like was we easier. had some like believable characters and believable yeah. emotions from certain characters, like Absolutely. especially towards the end. Yeah. And but yeah, like it was just pretty much simple, simple creature feature, something fun to watch. You know, if you already have Shutter and you're not like. You're paying for Shutter anyway, and you are looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon, and you're bored. Yeah, throw it on. Yeah, yeah, I, I recommend it. Like, I, like, there's really not much, like the only thing I'll complain about was they made a mistake of showing too much of the creature in daylight. Yeah, it looked like a robot. It looked <laughs> well. It, it looked like your typical sci-fi movie channel, or yeah, the sci-fi channel movies. Like, just really bad CGI, but, like, when it was in the dark and in the shadows, it looked really good. You know what it reminded me of? So, for all my Canadian friends, so Christian and Will, I don't know if anyone else listens from Canada, and my friends who are listening to this podcast right now to support me. So, if you, Canada's Wonderland, which is our only theme park that's any size, we have these... (laughs) These robotic dinosaurs in this like ridiculous like exhibit area, and it's not really exhibits of robots, but they do kind of like that basic movement. It reminded me of those. Gotcha. Like it just so for anyone that's been to Canada's Wonderland and looked at that stupid dino exhibit that we had a couple years ago with these robotic dinosaurs, it reminded me of that. Oh it, wow! It was just super cheese in the light. The dark was fine. You can get away with a lot more in dark, and I, I agree with you. They should have just stuck to that. Yep, yeah, because that's like. An 80s uh, staple when it came to, like, monster movies and creature features is. If if we've learned anything from the 80s, like, for horror films, hide your creatures, especially if you're low budget, hide your monsters in shadows and darkness. It will give off a much more creepier aspect to the film mm-hmm. and won't look so janky and horrible when you do, like, a daylight reveal. Because, like, yeah, that... It was bad, like, in it those was, spots. Yeah, it was cheesy. But I think all in all, I ended up giving this about a 7.5. It was just a fun creature feature. I didn't expect much. It was just more entertainment than anything. Yeah, I think I gave it a 6.5, and that doesn't mean it's bad. No, it's above average. It's above average. Um, Yeah, it was fine. You know, I enjoy creature features, and I enjoy turning my brain off sometimes and just watching something simple. Yeah, but you need movies like that every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, there's a lot of heavy films in the last couple of years, so just, like, something dumb and fun is And we watched perfect. a heavy film last night that we'll be getting into well, later. shit, we so. kind of watched two heavy films for this <laughs> Oh, episode. my God. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway. <laughs> and then, uh, the next one we ended up watching, I know this one made a lot of people's lists last year, and that was, uh, Cold Skin. Mm-hmm. And this was basically about a tale of two men at a lighthouse that... Like I was telling you when I was watching it, it reminded me of the story of uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Yes. By H.P. Lovecraft. And, like, it, yeah, it's like two guys that are pretty much stay at this lighthouse and at, at night these sea creatures rise from the ocean and just attack in swarms over and over again every single night. Mm-hmm. And, but it gets, you know, much deeper and, like, into, like, a lot of the history and everything else, like, mm-hmm. with this movie and... Wow, I loved this movie. I wish I would have watched it last year because it would have been in my top ten for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, this was mm-hmm. really good. Like, just beautifully shot. Beautiful locations. Like, the cinematography was fucking astounding. Yeah, it was. Uh, definitely. I, I was amazed at, like, everything that was done in this. And it's a period piece. Like, and it's Lovecraft. So, like, I am a sucker for anything that has a Lovecraftian element to it. 
And yeah, this was like 1920s, 1930s, something like that. I think it was. Yeah, Maybe. you know what? You could be right. I think it was. I think it was the turn of the 19th century, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was the turn of 19th century that was based in. And but yeah, like even the sea mo- the sea creatures like were humanoid creatures, but they looked really mm-hmm. cool. But I messaged you saying they kind of reminded me of like blue skinned versions of the creatures from the descent. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was a very good comparison. And yeah, and I love the interaction between the two main actors because that's all they really had to play off was each other the whole yeah. entire film, and it was almost like a two hour film. And like I think you said that it could have been cut down time wise because there was like a lot of. There was some repetitiveness to me. There was too many battle scenes, um, and I don't think those are spoilers. There, like you, there's battles throughout it. Yeah, and I had some plot hole issues in it um, that I didn't feel it was consistency. Now, uh, full disclosure: these are not my favorite type of movies. Right, you're um, not a fan of like the sci-fi or no, the fantasy style no. of films. But I do. I will definitely say, filmed incredibly, acted very well, story was very good. Um definitely one of the better films i've seen yes i i like like i said this would have definitely made my top 10 last year for sure i could see why i don't know if it would have made my top 10 if i was doing top 10s by quality of movies so not personal preference and that's what i think is really important to talk about on our podcast that there's a difference between you liking something because it's a personal connection to you and admitting that a film is good and solid right exactly and and that is a solid film. Would it be in my top ten? Probably not, because it's not my jam. But it is a phenomenal film, and I could see why it would be in anybody's top ten. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and like, I think I ended up giving this one like a nine out of ten or a nine point five, even. Yes, like, I was you gave really a very, high. very high, high ranking of it, which is fair. It's a great film. Yep, and like I said, it hit all the right notes. It was Lovecraftian. It was yep. that period piece, which I'm a sucker for period piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and like I said, I'm a sucker for like the way things are made and shot and like and yeah that was i was really impressed with that one <laughs> yeah it was well done and and for me there were just some issues in it that i didn't like that i even pointed out to you that dropped your rating actually yes because um, it almost was i almost gave it like a full-on 10 out of or no i think it was i was gonna give it a 9.5 and i dropped it down to a you were nine. gonna give it a 9.75 no we ain't doing the quarter ratings here <laughs> smart ass <laughs> um but it was definitely a well done film Yes, and, uh, like, those were a lot of the newer films we ended up watching, like Minus Gremlins, which, you know, older but fun. But, uh, I did introduce her to (laughs) one of the, one of my all-time favorite musicals, and it's, like, it fits with our horror theme, because it was Cannibal the Musical by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, which was, like, one of their college projects, and Troma had picked it up. So if you don't if you don't know who Trey Parker and Matt Stone are, they are the creators of South Park. They starred in Basketball. They directed and starred in Orgasmo, and they are the creators of Team America. And then also the oh, Team America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they also did the Book of Mormon, which has been a huge Broadway success. Yes. So like yeah, Trey like so if you know these guys, you know their style of humor and their quirkiness and their goofiness. And this is about. Uh, Alfred Packer, which was a known uh, historical figure from Colorado that got lost in the mountains with a band of miners and ended up like eating each other to survive type story. Yeah. Except done as a musical comedy horror. Yes. And like, 
I am a huge fan, but I gotta ask you, like, what did you think of this? So I want to set the stage, okay? So so Scott and I had never met in person. So I arrive at Scott's home, and his basement is a worshipping of horror movies. I'm For those of you who follow me on Instagram and Facebook, I shared pictures of it. I suggest you go back and look at it, because it's pretty freaking impressive. Um, he has a Hellraiser statue, which is pretty badass. And he puts on this movie, and like, probably if like, we're a lot more comfortable even with each other now. I probably would have turned him and like, what the fuck is this shit, dude? Like, what are you making me watch? But I, I was trying to be, like, super polite. We had this gluten-free pizza because I'm a celiac and he had his regular pizza. And we're and we're sitting here and I, I honestly thought it was a lot of fun. At first, I, I was kind of like, what kind of college bullshit is this? Is this just, like, some American thing that you guys have to do? Is you have to, like, do really shitty movies when you're in film school? But it was fun. Like, it was fun. And the songs in it were funny and they were silly. And catchy. And they were catchy. And, um, you know, basically the cannibal piece of it was was funny. Yes. Um, And for what they had to work with, it was a good, entertaining movie. Would I recommend this to your basic horror fan? No. No. I think you have to be somebody who really likes the genre, really enjoys the humor and musicals right like if you really like south park you'll probably like this yes right um i really like south park i love team america i love everything that those guys do i think it's i think it's awesome i'm like a dude in a chick's body like i just <laughs> i that love that stuff and i really enjoyed it so um yeah that made me happy because yeah like i don't get to show many people this film because yeah you got to be the right type of person to be introduced to this like you got to like musicals you got to like South Park style comedy. You gotta like over the top violence when it's needed or when it's used. And you gotta appreciate low budget. Yeah. And like there's a lot of stipulations there. And I knew you were a fan of musicals yep. and a fan of South Park and a, obviously a fan of horror films. And yep. I knew you liked a lot of like low budget stuff as well. So I was like, all right, this will be the test the waters see what kind of movies you're into if you can like this then okay there's gonna be some other films that this will open up it was to make sure for. scott was gonna let me stay if i didn't like it he was gonna kick me out that night and I was yeah gonna have to drive home. it was the true <laughs> it was the friendship test if you failed this test you're out of here we can't be no nope. i was it that's all i had to do <laughs> this movie but yeah it it's one of my favorite films like i'm kind of curious like what would you have given that as a rating okay if i'm i because we never discussed this one. No, we did not. We were too new trying to like not be rude to each other. So now that we're comfortable with disrespecting each other, um, I would say a 7. I think a 7 out of 10. Like, that's it was fair. solid. Yep, that's a fair review. Like Me, I think I would give it about a 7.5 out of 10. Because yeah. like, obviously there's a lot of issues with it Like in its way. Like in its super low budget. And they only had they could only afford to do things. But like it's it's the part of the charm. Absolutely. and you, And you go into that knowing that. It's like when people, like, I I listened to all the podcasts on the Cemetery episodes, as I talked about before, when they talked about Terrifier. She's our fan. Yep. Yeah, Not our stalker. only fan. <laughs> stalker, just like you guys and Kill the Cat, I stalked them too. Um, when you guys talked about Terrifier, like, Terrifier is what it is, man. Like, yeah. it's not supposed to be super deep. It's It's low budget, and it's basic. And I think that if you walk into these movies and you just accept it for what it is, you're going to have a good time. Exactly. If you look at it and you want it to be more and you want to put on your thinking cap, you know, go watch Midsummer. Go watch Heredity. Go watch something else. Like, be in the mood to watch that movie at that time and you'll have a good time watching it. Exactly. 
Yep. And I was saying, he's got to be a fan of those types of genres combined together. I think the biggest thing is South Park. I think you got to like that humor. Yes. I think if you like that humor as a female, like really like it, I'm not talking like you watch South Park because your boyfriend's watching it and you're sitting there with him. I'm talking like you would watch South Park on your own accord. You'll probably enjoy this movie. Yep. And because, yeah, even the musical part, it's not like most musicals where it's like every new scene is a new no, song. it's not it's a like, street musical. Nope, it's got like story, song, story, song, story. Like, like Phantom of the Opera where everything was a song. Yes, exactly. Like every <laughs> scene was, like there'd be like a minute of dialogue and then the rest would be Or music. not even. There was one where they sung about a note. Anyway. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> no, I do love that movie. Uh, but yeah, that is the end of what we've been watching. Um, we will be jumping into our topic of discussion which is going to be is it horror and like the history of horror what horror means and like like certain films that the the, that fit into this genre like how would we kind of consider when we review these films if they would be considered horror or not so we're going to move into our main discussion which is going to be what is horror and then talking about two films that came out in 2019 so when we talked about doing this, the thing that Scott and I wanted to look at is we wanted to look at definitions. It, I've been listening to podcasts now for the past year and a half, and I've listened to tons on the Horrorphilia Legion Network, and we all seem to have an opinion over what is considered a horror movie and what is not a horror movie. And Scott and I, when we first became friends, we chatted about that and and really wanted to go into a deep dive and talk about is are we are we focusing too much on people's opinions what exactly matters when it comes to horror and how are things defined so there's a couple of articles i looked up so full disclosure i am in graduate school and i used my tuition dollars and i'm paying to look up academic articles on horror which is freaking <laughs> awesome over the holidays because i didn't want to just look at wikipedia's definition of horror. I wanted right. to look at academic articles that had been written. So we will cite these articles in, I guess, I don't know, where, wherever we post the podcast or however we want to cite them. Yep, we'll probably put it in the show notes, like, once I get to that point. And yeah. we'll also probably, I'll cite mine at least when I'm talking about it as well. Yes, and so we'll have the verbal citation of it as well. Um, <clears throat> but we'll also do a written citation in case anyone decides they want to read them. So I want to start off with the definition of fear. Because fear is the beginning of what is considered horror. And there was an article written by Jeff Wise, who's a licensed uh, psychologist and an author of The Extreme Fear, The Science of Your Mind in Danger. And fear is something that we are born with, and it has been ingrained in our brain since we were tiny creatures, and it's a chemical reaction. Now, if we look at the development of horror movies, obviously they're based off of fear. And fears that each of us have are very different. Scott and I were talking about fears last night. Now, I am deathly afraid of ghosts. I believe in Ouija boards. I believe in um, exorcisms. I believe in demons. I believe in all that stuff. And that stuff really scares me. Um, It makes me uncomfortable. So movies that have that tend to pull that emotion from me. So when we're in a dangerous situation, we have this primal reflective response called flight or flight response, which I think most of us are familiar with. It's just where the sympathetic nerve system comes into play. The body then releases adrenaline, among other things, which your body recognizes positively and becomes the chemical which makes you stronger and more aware. 
And he goes on to talk about what does this mean for reaction of horror fans? So this is really interesting, Scott. So points out the artistic value of the horror genre. He says that scary movies go beyond just trying to keep you up at night and people averse to the genre should try to keep an open mind. You have this great mixture of storytelling and I think it's at the very root of the horror genre that is what people really enjoy. Some of the storytelling behind what is scary is great stuff. So it's fair to assume that horror movies are produced using this guideline of fear. So should there be a further explanation of what horror is across our community which is based on the personalized of fear so fear leads to horror but yet yep. fear is an individual thing that involves a body chemical reaction do you have any thoughts or additional stuff to add to that when we're just talking about the development of fear and horror well like like i was talking about when we were uh discussing one of the trailers earlier like yeah the fear is what would make something horror for somebody but may not for another person like Mm -hmm. my fear of the unknown in the ocean like that like like that underwater movie may affect me more like profoundly than it would like say you yeah i don't have a fear of open bodies of water for sure not barely like i i don't actually put myself in those situations either but i've been on a cruise ship i've been on small boats in the middle of the ocean and never have i been afraid Yep, like for me, I like like I was telling you with cruises, I would be fine because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like a floating city. But with so a smaller boat and such a giant open water, like and not knowing what exactly is underneath me mm-hmm. would really get to me. Mm-hmm. And like I think that certain films like that would affect me because it hits that primal fear. Yep. And Scott and I also had a discussion. And he's probably sick of talking to me about this, but I'm going to bring up Midsommar. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> and how I do not think that movie is scary. Now, yet again, this is my personal, we're, we're, if we're going back to the scientific, scientific definition here, I am not saying the movie is not scary. I am saying I don't find the movie scary. Right. And do I find things scary? Absolutely. Yes, I do. But the reason why Midsommar does not bother me is because I have no fear of cults. Um, I don't. I'm not afraid of them. I, I don't, I, I think that they're just a group of people that follow along with things. Yes, I understand cults have done bad things. I don't know any people listening to this and being like, oh, Heather, cults are evil. And yes, I understand cults have done horrible things. But in Midsommar, my whole thought was like, guys, just go with the flow so you can get the hell out of there. Like if everyone just kind of just tries to go with the flow and you try to survive the situation and you just try to fit in, maybe you'll all survive. And maybe that's not true. But I didn't find that movie that scary. Same with Heredity. I did not find heredity that scary right. myself. And that's also another thing that needs to be brought up too is uh, scary. Mo- some horror, like for, especially for horror films like us who have seen a lot of things, or not horror films, horror fans like us who have seen a lot of things, like not much really scares us anymore. No. But it's that uh, feeling of uncomfortableness um or like if a film hits these like darker emotions that you are uncomfortable with like chemical reaction yes as simply written here the chemical reaction in the brain yes like because like you said midsummer wasn't scary i didn't find it scary either Mm -hmm. but i love the hell out of that movie Mm -hmm. and it affected me because i for one suffer with anxiety and Mm -hmm. The gr- the portrayal of the grief of or the yeah the grief and dealing with loss, I have experienced that, yeah. and 
watching that film, it affected me that way. Like, it didn't scare me, no. But, like, when, uh, especially when uh, Florence Pugh ended up having her anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. Like, it almost gave me an anxiety attack the way it was portrayed, because that is pretty accurate on my anxiety, like, when I deal with things. and And seeing the way, like, she handled the loss of her, like, family and all that and the grief that she felt like i've been there i've done that i've dealt with that and like that's where like it got under my skin to the point where yeah it wasn't scary it it's not like uh it's not the type of movie that has the jump scares or anything like that it's more just a from fear though yep it pulls from the fear and like deeper emotions that most other genres of film don't really work towards work on or pull at those threads. Absolutely. Cause, and, and just looking at yet again, going back to that reflective response to a chemical reaction in the brain, everything, love, happiness, anger, depression, and anxiety comes down to how our brain intakes information. Yes. So you watching midsummer and you seeing an anxiety attack on the screen triggered a fear in you, not necessarily that you were scared of the movie, but you were, empathizing with that emotion there was a chemical reaction in your brain which caused you to in turn feel an emotion yes right and that's i think really what jeff wise's point is here and how what horror films are doing is they're doing storytelling of different fears of different things that trigger us it's no different than going on a roller coaster now i think you've we've talked about cedar point and roller coasters and i know you've been on roller coasters before right yes so it's that same anxiety of going up the hill and you're going up the hill and then you go down and that that rush of adrenaline and we get that from horror movies and we get that from different horror movies depending on our perception of fear and i think we're I'm going to be continuing to go with the stuff that I found is that I think we need to stop saying to people that is not a horror movie or that's not scary or that wasn't scary enough. Maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it didn't react with your brain chemicals. Maybe it didn't make you think of something, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're the be all and end all of judge of what is horror and what is not. So if we look at the Webster's dictionary of what is horror, so that was my follow-up to the next thing. So definition of horror, there's there's three different um, ways that it's defined. So one is a painful, intense fear. So we're going back to the idea of fear again, that chemical mm-hmm. response. Dread or disdomishment giving place to a horror on the faces of people about me. So the idea that you are reacting to what is occurring around you. Um, an invasion aversion, which happened during one of the films that we watched last night. Scott and I were watching this film. And at one point, I'm not sure if you noticed Scott, but I turned away several times. There were some scenes that caused me to look away from the screen. That's my body doing a natural reaction. My brain has said too much, Heather, this is bothering you. Look away. Yep. Right. And I, and, and that is how I reacted to that. Um, And I did notice that too. Right. And then something that inspires horror, a state of extreme depression or apprehension. So, you know, I guess a horror would be, you know, the Great Depression or the famine or the plague, right? The horrors of disease or whatnot is the other definition that they're giving. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Yeah. No, and it kind of uh, ties into, like, one of our films, like, uh, we'll be talking about later, too. Like, with, like, the historical violence of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that... Some may not be horror, but it is. It is horror. It's, it's talking a real about the life horrors of horror. society, yeah. right? 
Um, and then further on with, lit with literacytermsnet.horror. So this was another source for um, what is a horror movie. In literature, horror is a genre of fiction which purposes to create the feelings of fear. So we keep going back to that chemical reaction of fear. Um, dread, repulsion, terror in the audience. In other words, it describes an atmosphere of horror. The term definition emphasizes the reaction caused by horror seen from old French or, which means to shudder, which is great that shudder, I don't know if shudder used that purposely, but, right. or bestow, so to, to react, to yes. shudder. Like, what is a shudder? A shudder is, oh, like it, it chills you. It's, yet again, a chemical reaction in your brain telling your body to do something because all of our feelings come from chemical reactions. Exactly. So as I found through my, my research and interrupt me at any point, if you want to add something, it's, we're all going back to the same thing here. You know, yes. when we're looking at the definition of horror, we're looking at fear, which fear is individualized for each person. Yeah, that is, it's exactly what it is. Like, cause I don't think anyone has like, no two people have, like, the same reaction to a film. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we'll all, like, have a certain fear that we can relate to with each other. But each individual person will find something about certain horror films that really unsettle them that may not unsettle someone else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a... Uh, that's why I think the horror genre is such a broad loose term because horror can affect in so many ways mm -hmm. and there are so many ways to portray horror and like you were saying yeah to someone this may not be a, like midsummer may not be a horror film no but to others it hits deeply same with hereditary absolutely like absolutely and personal experience also can like relate to the film which if you can relate to it Hits you even on a deeper note. And we're born as children and babies with no fear. Yes. We learn, we learn hate, we learn love, we learn, we learn our preferences, we learn everything from societal interactions and society and psychology, right? So I'm sure Watson, if he's listening to this and his psychology background and all that kind of stuff, he gets exactly where I'm coming from. You are, you are, you are a blank slate when you were born and you continuously learn from your interactions of things that scare you, things that don't. I have a phobia of dead animals. And the reason why I have this phobia of dead animals is because when I was five years old, I was walking on the street with my friend and I looked down and I almost stepped on a dead squirrel. And the squirrel was like bloody and like looked like it had been eaten by something and it scared the fuck out of me to the point that I ran home. And to this day, when I see roadkill, it upsets me. Oh, to wow. this day, I cannot look at roadkill. It bothers me greatly. Um, I'm afraid of dead animals coming back alive. I have no idea why. Pet cemetery wasn't scary for me, but that concept is. Right. Right? So that's an ingrained fear that was developed in me. The final thing that I want to bring this to is the definition of what is horror. So there is um, an author who wrote an article called Horror Flick. And I didn't get his full first name when I did this, so I'll have to recite it. Oh, Del, sorry, Del Gilmore. Um, Horror Flick, and, it's, and it was written for the U.S. Catholic, Catholic um, Journal, and it was written in 2004. And he talks about the definition of a horror movie and what makes a good horror movie. And some of the things he said is, I like horror films that are plausible 
and looks fairly realistic. I need a well-told story. I prefer suspense and tension to flat-out shock, but recognizes the need for all three. Strong production values, which is something that you talk about a lot. Yes. Um, and coupled with direction and good acting are usually part of a winning formula, which I think everyone would agree with, which is why we look at movies like Heredity, Midsommar, Tigers Are Not Afraid, as good, solid horror films. Yes. Um, and part of the winning formula, I think the best horror films are made to be outstanding films as opposed to just scream fests, which is, you know, an interesting concept because you could argue that some scream fests are great horror films. Oh, for sure. If a horror film can stand on its own and still scare an audience, regardless of the release date, it should be considered a classic. A possible flaw in the current horror film production could be the concept of shock value. So maybe that's the jump scares that we were kind of talking about. Movies just relying, the ghost movies you were saying earlier. Yep. Or relying on jump scares. Yep. Relying on jump scares or relying on just being over the top violent. Yes. Yes. So Dell continues to go on. An associate professor um, in the Department of Communication talks about Jaws. Is the movie he gives us an example. So a good horror film will keep the villain or the threat off screen, which you talked about earlier, as much as possible. And one of the favorite classics is Jaws. The shark was a threat through most of the film, but was only seen fleetly, which made it all more frightening, relying yet again on fear, fear right? Um, we have to use our own imagination, which is usually much worse than the real thing. Yes. Or sometimes much better when you imagine that something's going to go really well. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, or whether you look at the film with an expression of disinterest or genuine fear, it's difficult to deny its legacy. And I think that that's a really, really important point when it comes to production of films. And he finishes off with saying, therefore, you're building out Sudden Seymour in the privacy of your own hun. Suddenly Seymour, which is from Little Shop of Horrors, for anyone yep. who's familiar. Um, privacy of your own home, or peeking through your fingers as you watch the grub for the twelfth grudge for the twelfth time. Horror films are unavoidable this time of year because this was written around Halloween. Moreover, if modern horror productions want to make another classic, they better hide their captivated villain and make us avoid simple pleasures such as swimming in the ocean at all costs so yet again relying on keeping that villain secret building the fear and the anticipation yep and letting your imagination do the worst right so then we get to so then what is horror and and i'm, I'm not sure if you want to add more to this discussion before we jump into the movies yes i actually uh found an article on vulture and originally i was just gonna take bits and pieces out of it but kind of skimming through it, I think I should just read this whole article and Do it's it. fascinating. But it's by it's from vulture.com. The article was written on December fifth, twenty eighteen, but is called Horror is Not Defined But What But Yeah. Horror is not defined by what scares you. Mm -hmm. It was written by Angelica Jade Bastian. Uh, so she starts off with since the early days of film, horror's greatest strength has been its intimacy. A great horror film can slip under your skin, grab hold of your heart, and never let go. Due to this, horror is a genre that has often been defined and graded by the most personal of criterion, whether it scares you or not. But recently, horror has been steeped in a trend sometimes re referred to as art house horror, or more gratingly, elevated horror. Because a lot of people do hate that term, elevated yes, horror. It's yes. just, it's a silly, it's basically almost kind of like insulting. Oh, you don't understand <laughs> it, so this is an elevated horror film. Yes, and yes. That's an insulting way of putting it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, more greatly, elevated horror that has seen the genre become more accepted by major stars and publications. 
These works put a premium on mood and detail, with few jump scares or none at all. They are defined by a more dramatic sense of unease roiling throughout the film rather than wall-to-wall gore. These glossy, glossy, austere works include like Get Out, Mother, It Comes at Night, Hereditary, and, to a lesser extent, the new grim reimagining of Suspiria, which, has, which hasn't been as easy to sever from the genre given it is based on such a well-known giallo horror classic. Mm-hmm. As horror... As horror has grown in scope, though the mainstream conversation around the genre has narrowed. For uh, Vogue last month, Taylor Antrim picked apart this year's horror slate, including the Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Hill House Netflix series, the quickly beloved new Halloween and Suspiria remake, because the slow pacing lacked dark delight and intensity, or because he wasn't personally scared by them. A common complaint about the 2016 grimly construed period piece, The Witch was that it was not scary enough. Filmmakers and stars have also distanced themselves from the genre, and the lead-up to the sharply construed gut-punch-of-a-horror film Hereditary, writer-director Ari Aster admitted to Screen Crush, Even from the beginning, this is something I've said before, but I was kind of careful to never really call it a horror film. The people that were on the crew, or even the people that I was pitching the film to, I would describe it as a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. In the conversation with Jennifer Lawrence about Mother last year, Seth Meyers said, I feel like this movie is more disturbing than a horror movie. Lawrence agreed, describing it more as horrifying. Darren Aronofsky himself continuously explained Mother as biblical illusion, global warming metaphor, and basically everything but a horror film. He referred to it at one point as a thriller, a genre distinction that seems especially created so filmmakers and marketing departments can distance themselves from horror. Mm-hmm. Because horror does seem to be the redhead stepchild. Yep. Um, This phenomenon isn't new. It has ebbed and flowed through the history of the genre. For as long as horror has compelled audiences, filmmakers and more high-minded critics have twisted themselves into knots to avoid describing so-called highbrow movies as horror. In Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Carol J. Clover details this conversation around the release of the 1960 Michael Powell film, Peeping Tom. It's a brutal, magnificent film that was uses its central serial killer to present a theory about the nature of what it means to be a cinematic spectator. Clover writes, Powell especially objected to the reception of Peeping Tom as a horror film akin to the gory Hammer films on the British market during those years. Powell resolutely claimed, Peeping Tom wasn't horror, but a film of compassion, of observation, and of memory. Yes, it's a horror film about the cinema from 1900 to 1960. For the first issue of the recently revamped Fangoria magazine, writer Michael Jingold all discusses that it was like to interact with his distributors in the 80s and 90s who purposely avoided horror labels while writing for a publication that wears its love of the genre in all its forms with pride. The denial of the horror was particularly pronounced when it came to the flood of films about disturbed or psychopathic individuals in the wake of 87's Fatal Attraction and 91's The Silence of the Lambs which was not widely acknowledged as a horror film during its initial release, as it is now. Uh, He writes, Even though many of these films rely on the fear factor and starred a damaged individual threatening and terrorizing other characters that was essentially the same as in Psycho, Halloween, or Slashers, these were apparently not horror films. With New Line Cinema refusing to set up interviews at Fangoria with the people involved with Seven, despite it being, as Jingle describes, one of the most horrifying movies released by them or anyone else in the 90s. 
the publication had ample opportunity for its recurring banner, It's Not a Horror Film. What perhaps separates the current moment from these earlier examples is that horror is being embraced by A-list talent on a more regular basis. When stars are typically in horror films, we associate that with either the early moments in their career before they were famous, think Jennifer Aniston's appearance in the Leprechaun franchise, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or when their standing was dimming in Hollywood, like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Mm -hmm. uh, which spawned the exploitation genre and saw many queens from classic Hollywood using horror as a jumping off point for a new audience. But recently, horror has attracted prestige more consistently, particularly since Jordan Peele's mega-success Get Out. The stars are brighter and more renowned. Um, The productions feel uh, with higher budget, with better design, and a glossier style for marketing. I think it's most importantly that there is an ongoing conversation in horror cropping up in publications and circles that would usually not give the genre the intellectual study. Critics and cinephiles in general tend to dismiss genre cinema as a whole and genre fans as well and seeing members of the community react to these films with such violent negativity only reinforces their image of the horror fan as a slack-jawed dullard whose only interests are sex and gore which we've seen people that react like this well that's scott and i generally (laughs) yes we are total slack-jawed dullards (laughs) uh jason kaufman astutely wrote this for medium about the tense dynamics surrounding art horse art horse art house horror films like the witch in which some diehard horror fans dismiss the film as boring and not for true horror fans there are as many definitions of horror films as there are people who watch them which that is very accurate very much so uh perhaps this collusion of so-called high and low culture is what leads to this distancing effect And one of the driving forces behind this infuriating dialogue is the difficulty in defining horror as a genre. Tying a film like Candyman or even The Silence of the Lambs to schlocker fare like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise isn't hard, but trying to link all these works to something like Annihilation proves more difficult since it shirks the markers people associate with horror. A central villain, gore, and other particular archetypes. Mm Mm-hmm. For something more difficult and beguiling while also being indebted to science fiction. Ever since I fell in love with horror as an awkward, curious preteen, I have understood its shape-shifting quality as a genre. The first two entries in the Hellraiser franchise are grim and immensely sexual, primed for gorehounds. Tales from the Crypt is uproarious and arch. Candyman carries the tenor of myth and is shot through with a strange romanticism. Buffy the Vampire Slayer didn't only cement my interest in feminism, it taught me the ways modern filmmakers can lean into and subvert the iconography of horror. Horror can be a beautiful genre that elucidates our darkest fears and our most taboo desires in ways that are meant to scare us, yes, but it's also expressed in so many different ways. The roiling dread of Nosferatu, the quip-laden joyous terror of Scream, the beguiling romanticism and fear that is braided together in Candyman, the garish spectacle of tragedy girls. That can be hard to peg down. Despite the genre's flexibility, I think that links all these works is not mu- not how much they scare you, but the underlying sense of fear and the exploration of this primal response as personal, cultural, and existential levels. If you look at the recent crop of films, even those that have been questioned, they all use fear as a framework to shape the characters' lives and guide deep concerns about the world as we live in. 
Hereditary and The Babadook potently, uh, potently explore women's complicated relationship with motherhood. Annihilation continues the concern of horror films like The Thing and how it uses the idea of our bodies being invaded and shaped by strange forces. In order to explore loneliness and depression, oh, oh, yeah, so, uh, Annihilation continues the concern of horror films like The Thing and how it uses the idea of our bodies being invaded and shaped by strange forces in order to explore loneliness and depression. Mother is a bonkers mythological story about the fear of our most private spaces being invaded and destroyed. This is different from the goals of filmmakers to unnerve and scare audiences, but more about how they approach questions such as these. What fears are shaping our culture? How does fear shape the lives of these characters? I can't remember the last time I was scared watching a film. I've been a bit desensitized over the years watching Hellraiser at 10. We'll, we'll do that to you. Mm-hmm. Which I, I can relate. Yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, recent films like Annihilation, The Witch, and Under the Shadow will do what horror does best. Provoke a deeper response that forces you to consider and understand how fear shapes our lives in many personal and cultural Intimate and escapable. Excellent job reading that article, Scott. Thank you. (laughs) That Um, was a lot. It was a lot. And I think that that article was a great tie-up to what we've been talking about with the other sources that I found. And and Scott and I, like, did a pretty good job of throwing that together. But it comes down to the development of all those movies that they cited. So anything from Candyman to um, Heredity to, I think there was also the Peeping Tom that they talked about in there as well, too. All from the development of experience and fear and chemical reactions and and what you're experiencing in society as well. So the horrors of motherhood and the conflict. You know, speaking from a female, I do not have children, but I have many friends that do. And you and I were talking this weekend about how women are forced into multiple roles and there's a lot of challenges that come with being a mother and other things that happen that heredity explores very very well in the Babadook. Like it talks about that need to protect your child at all costs and, and the fear of what could happen. Yes. And, and yet again, playing on the fear. So I think we, we need to get into a place as this horror community. If we are going to stand united and push things forward, like Jordan Peele has done, like Ari Aster has done. And these movies that are coming out, that are no longer being shoved into the back section of the video store where the horror movies are and, oh, you like horror movies, that's super weird. Like, do you want to go slash somebody? If we're going to continue to promote this, we need to support all horror and we need to not slag. And we need to be okay with something not scaring us, but scaring somebody else and yes. playing on fears. So that's that's what I took from that article. Exactly. Like, pretty much one of the things that they bring up there is basically... Everybody is going to be affected differently by different types of horror. So <clears throat> saying something doesn't scare you doesn't mean that it's not horror. It just may not scare you. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, that is like that. I seen that article and I can't remember. I think it was Mark Nato that had brought this article up at some point. So I want to just kind of give him credit for kind of pointing me in that direction because that was a, when I found that article, I was like sucked right in and like, that was very fascinating. And I was like, well, that's convenient. Cause that's like our topic. Yep. And, absolutely. Like, and, and today this type of topic rings more true than it ever has. Cause horror has like 
went in different directions and different ways to explore our fears way more than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Like we are starting to see a lot of like films that kind of skirt that edge and ride the boundary. I mean, you know, and there's some that are just like, we're straight horror. We're going right through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are the ones that will kind of go around and tell a drama that ends up being turning into a horror film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or telling a fantasy story that ends up diving into horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's horror is almost as we were describing, we can define it, but at the same time, it's almost indefinable. It is, and it allows that creativity. And we, as a community, we as a Facebook social media community, need to support. And I'm not saying that you need to say everything is good that you watch. It's nope. okay to criticize. It's okay to say that film I didn't enjoy because of this and that, and it's and it just didn't work for me. But it is okay for someone else to enjoy a film that scared them that or that scared them or or created a reaction. Exactly. That did not create a reaction for them. So full disclosure, I when I saw Candyman, there's a scene in Candyman with a child that is mutilated, mm-hmm. and that has haunted me to this day. It really bothers me. Um, I watched um, Cannibal Holocaust for Kill the Cast. Yep. The animal cruelty in that is horrible, but it did not bother me as much. Where that affected the shit out of me. Right? So I think, and that's okay. Like, it is okay to say that, but we need to support this genre. Every time someone like myself or Scott or one of the other great podcasters or other people in this community, we have the opportunity when someone comes to us and goes, Hey... I want to go check out this movie. What do you think? We have the opportunity to respond in a way that can give that person the push to go see it. Because if they watch a movie that we may not like, but that gets them into the genre and that gets them supporting and that gets them going out and watching movies and we get more and we get more variety, all the better. Exactly. You don't have to say it fucking sucked and you shouldn't watch it. Now, as I said about Black Christmas... I did criticize that movie for the message that it did not deliver effectively and it was not well done. So if someone said to me, what do you think of Black Christmas? I might say to them, you know what? I wouldn't watch the remake. Let me suggest some other things that you may like that you could go watch at the theater or that you could go watch that would be a great introductory to that type of film. There is a way to answer that question that is not completely alienating that person that's coming into horror we need horror fans we need people to show up to theaters we need people to buy shutter we need people to buy dvds we need people to go to these cons we need people to engage and not alienate exactly you i couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) (laughs) because yeah like because i i am like the one that my co-workers come to when horror films are being recently released and they're like Scott, what is your opinion on this? What is your opinion on this? I'm going, well, for me, I was not a fan of this type of film. However, I can see where you might like it as an individual. I would recommend you give it a watch and make your own opinion. It's like, but for me personally, it was not something I'd like. And vice versa. Oh, I love this movie, like Hereditary. I introduced it to one of my coworkers. And I was like, all right, I love this movie. I know you want to borrow it. I'm not sure how you're going to feel about it. Like, you may like it. You may find it boring. You may just... And she came back and goes, Yep, this was not my type of film. I thought it was kind of hokey and boring. And I'm like, it were. It affected me deeply. Mm-hmm. Like, 
It's like, you know, but I, I make sure never to say, oh, don't watch this piece of shit. Yes. No. It's like, everyone's going to have a different reaction to the film. So it's more or less, like, for the horror community, like, in all of us, we, you know, we are a tight-knit group. And, of course, in fandoms, there is always going to be drama. <laughs> to say the least. And especially with everyone is opinionated and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Absolutely. Sure. Opinions are good. We do want people to have opinions. However, when you just insult others for liking films, that mm-hmm. is not the way to go about it. It's like, we need to just, if someone likes a horror film that we hate, be like, awesome. I'm glad to see that you found something in this film that I disliked. But there was something there for you. Like, we need to just embrace that type of culture where welcome everybody into the community. Don't isolate them and Mm -hmm. alienate them Mm because of it. Like, everyone's going to have a different reaction to every film. And that's, unfortunately, I see that in all types of fandoms. Yes. Oh, you like this film? Okay, you're a piece of shit for liking that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you don't have the same level of taste. Or one that I see a lot. You need to watch more movies then. Yes. And that one, I... It's like, no, you don't need to watch more movies. Like, they watch what they watch, and they like what they like. Let them enjoy it. And we need people supporting all genres. We need a variety. We need the slashers. We need the creature features. We need the ghost stories. We need the... We need Sci-fi. the Japanese transitions to American redubs and done. We need yeah, the cult you need movies. The, and you need the bad sci-fi creature feature fans out there that love those movies. Right, you like, need it's Everyone has... There's something out there for everyone. And that's, and I, and I, I think that Scott, like, we think very similar, you and I, um, we both have strong opinions on movies and we had a great debate last night, but we had a debate that was based upon walking away and, and us being able to say stuff like what I said with cold skin earlier. Yes. Was it my, would it be my top 10 preference film? No. Was it an exceptionally well done film? Absolutely. No one could, in my opinion, if you if you watch that film and you look at how it's filmed and you look at the plot development and you look at all and the acting, it's a good movie. Just because I don't like that kind of jam doesn't mean that it's bad. And I think that's important when we look at top tens. Yes. And I know you and I are on a top ten show. And yep. we will give them that plug later on. And you know, to me, I will be doing my preference, but there are there's a big ranking difference between you and I with certain movies, and neither one is right or wrong. Right. It's, it's all by preference. It's all by preference because we can both acknowledge what a film, whether that film is enjoyable, whether it's good, whether the plot flows. And I guess maybe should we move into talking about the two films we watched? Yes. And uh, first, the first film we will be watching tonight, or not watching, first film we will be talking about tonight that'll be covered on this, uh, like the spectrum that we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out and discuss is going to be... The biopic, Lords of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Here I am, an average teenager, you may think. But you couldn't be more wrong. I am the founder of Mayhem, the most infamous black metal band in the world. We are the Lords of Chaos. You guys suck. Mom, tell her to get out. Life was easy back then. It was all about having fun, drinking beer, playing hard and loud music. And then everything changed. 
Var, the lone wolf. I hereby appoint you bass player of mayhem. We have to take this to the next level. Now you said it yourself. We should burn them all down. If you do this, we're f He did it. Terror has swept across Norway. The police have described the murder as extremely violent. Either you do it for the cause and you take action, or you do it because you want attention. You can't have it both ways. The suspect, known as the Count, has You pretend to be my friend so you can hit me off guard? Why do you care about him so much? I thought you were true Norwegian black metal. I invented it. And now you betray it. No! You had this dream, this vision. You were in control. You were a leader. Still be all of those things if you wanted to. Everyone around you are disgusting little insects. Let's go! So our first film tonight that we are going to be discussing for the topic, is it considered horror or not, is the 2019 film Lords of Chaos, which was directed by Jonas Ockerland and stars Rory Culkin, Emery Cohen, Jack Kilmer, Sky Ferreira, and Walter Skarsgård. It is pretty much a loose... Uh, loose depiction biopic of the black Norwegian black metal band Mayhem mm -hmm. and the creation of the band and their extremely violent history of what happened and like this is almost in a way like a true crime story yeah that's a good description and yeah so I'm going to uh, go over our... We should just go over our initial thoughts. Like, Heather, what did you think about this film? Um, At first, I really didn't know why you suggested it. Because I didn't think it was horror. Yeah. Um, oh, but, and before you get any further, we are going to have spoilers for these. Yeah. Because we just can't really discuss the topic. We are going to spoil the shit out of these. So, if yeah. you haven't watched the movies yet, you've been warned. Yep. Yeah, fair warning. Fair warning. All right, now, um, I, I didn't think it was horror at first until there is a suicide scene. Yes. And leading up to that suicide scene, there is some clear uh, struggles with uh, mental illness or um, mental health, what whatnot. And they were very dark, uh, the suicide scene and the actor match itself. So um, the lead singer kills himself. And his, it's it's a very graphic murder that he does of himself. Like, it's a very slow. And very, very uncomfortable to watch. Very uncomfortable to watch. And once the murder is, or murder, sorry, suicide is completed, he, uh, one of the other 
the main character that the documentary mockumentaries follows finds the lead singer past and to the remaining band members says we need to make this as part of our skit as part of our you know we're so dark we're so evil that the the lead singer killed himself here's a piece of his skull that we're gonna can, wear this as a we're necklace. gonna wear this as a as a necklace and i and that was the moment where i went i get where scott's going with this um this is definitely a horror film it is playing on many fears whether it come from mental well-being to the depravity of death meaning so little that you're willing to take skulls from your friend it would be like something happening to scott or i and one of us wearing i don't know skin of the other as like a souvenir or something like that right. it, it would be seen now i know that there's cultures that there that may occur but i think generally speaking north america that would be seen as disgusting horrible horror yep and this is what i would give almost like as the true original version of edgelord yes yes like they are trying to be edgy to very much so kind of uh they're trying to be edgy to make a name for themselves yes and become famous yes very much so um as the film progresses the darkness progresses and there's a new singer that comes in who is oh he's a no he wasn't the singer singer, he was i think he was a guitarist but sorry a new member comes to the band um who is even more involved in dark what we would consider dark practices um there's a lot of references to satan in this film now i'm not going to say they're satanists because i don't know enough about that religion to make that broad statement uh but they identify themselves as believing in satan so throughout the movie they say things like hell satan and they burn churches which they indicate is in satan's name and that they need to rid the world of christianity and that it's destroying um their country and and that there is no hope there's no good and and i don't know if that is the pure beer beliefs of satanists such as why i don't want to give it that label but that's what they associate themselves with yes so yeah and that then like i'll kind of go with my thoughts here and uh yep this movie i loved it like it is an uncomfortable watch but it is a true depiction like loosely true depiction mm-hmm. of what what really happened with this band but the one thing that this film really hits and covers is the uh overblown like the obsession and fandom yes like because varg uh he was a huge fan of the band Mm -hmm. and he was such a huge fan that he took Euronymous's words as almost gospel. Yes. So this was the basis that joined the band after the lead singer passed yes. away. And Euronymous was always talking about like, oh yeah, we should totally... He, he always had these big ideas, but never would have gone through with them. He was just like, oh, we could do this. We could do that. And Varg took that as literal and went through with these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Like, I forget what the term was that you used, but uh, I think narcissist, was it? Yeah, narcissist, yes. Because Euronymous would then take what Varg did and be like, we did this. Yes. It was because of me that you did this. And he would take credit for it, which you could see all of that starting to deteriorate on Varg. And, like, 
end up making him do what he ends up doing after a while. Yes. But it's like, yeah, the uh, societal breakdown and mental breakdown mm-hmm. of fandom, in a way. Yes, and and the uh, the obsession. Yes. Right, and the and the need for attention. At one point, um, they've so they they bomb burned a bunch of churches, and there's a murder scene with. Um, oh yes, the uh, one of the uh, band members ends up. Like with homosexuality, like I think it's like a closeted homosexuality yeah. ends up murdering a another homosexual. Yes, pretty pretty graphically too. Like it's yes. not a uh, a tame murder scene, and a, and I would say fairly realistic for how long it would take someone for to die through stabbing. It's not a one stab, you're dead. Right, exactly. It's a it's a very gruesome, painful. It shows the exhaustion that would cause from stabbing somebody. Um, stabbing someone is not easy. You get blood on the knife. You have shit everywhere, like quite literally. Like it is not a pleasant experience, and I think this represented that well. Yeah, and it's like like we were talking about like uh, I forgot exact questioning that you brought up, but you were thinking like, now why do you think he killed him? Yeah, and I was like, I think it's he was a closeted homosexual mm-hmm. that didn't know like how to express it and was afraid to admit to it that his only reaction was to be violent mm-hmm. and seeing that portrayed on screen and just like the way it was filmed like was very uncomfortable very much so and even though there was no he later on he engages, he engages in a heterosexual relationship with a woman um the same character Yep. But I, so I wonder if it was also to inspire music. It could have been. To engage in the killing, to inspire the cultural music that they were presenting, to add that edginess to the band. Yeah, that is a very good point. And, like, you also see him, like, throughout, before he does that first murder, watching, like, the 80s splatter flicks, like, mm-hmm. Evil Dead mm-hmm. and dead alive or as others know it brain dead mm-hmm. and like he's just staring at the movies blankly like completely desensitized to violence now it almost felt like they were trying to say like because of the violence in the films like like he just got desensitized and was okay to kill mm-hmm. i don't know if i believe that or not i like i obviously a horror film like horror films can affect people differently obviously mm-hmm. like we've discussed but yeah, it did purposely show him, like, of all people, watching those films. Yeah. And then leading to that scene. I don't know, like, what they were trying to portray there exactly, but, like, but yeah, then, like, the, like I say, I know this is a loose depiction of the band Mayhem. I don't know the true history, but I just know that, yep, a lot of church burnings did happen. There was the murder, there was a couple of murders, and, like, one of the scenes, like, I think this was even more uncomfortable than the suicide was the murder of Euronymous. Yes, I would agree. Just because of the way they portrayed that. Like, Corey Culkin did such, or Rory Culkin, sorry, mm-hmm. did such an incredible job in acting in this whole entire film. Mm-hmm. Like, he was Euronymous. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. Like, that's who, like, he enveloped that character. Absolutely. And, 
seeing the pain and suffering and begging and pleading that was going on as Varg ends up showing up and just brutally stabbing him over and over and over again. And if we come back to fear leading up to that scene, so you see... um, I'm, what's, I'm not going to probably pronounce it properly, but the character that, not Varg, the other one that we, Romanus. Yeah, Romanus. Romanus. Um, he he begins a relationship with this other woman who I guess is um, more healthy than he is, we'll say, with choices she's making. And he almost starts to become more um, away from, I, I don't want to say away from evil, because I don't like to brand things you- as good and evil, but... You described it as more civilized more in our messages. More civilized. And he starts wearing glasses, for example, which I thought was a really interesting use of props. We're seeing him more clean cut. We're yep, seeing he ends him up cutting in, his hair. He ends up cutting his hair. He's wearing clothes that aren't representative of the death metal culture. He he really began to become... They, they have a scene where they make love, and it's a very passionate scene. Like It's not degrading sex at all. It's very much emotional yeah. sex. Um, and... You see almost, and and she spends this time with him. She cuts his hair. They have this party when she leaves for the night. And you can tell that they're very attracted to each other, that he's building this relationship with her. And it's almost like he's looking at moving forward away from the death metal um, and whatever that meant to him. Not that death metal is bad, but whatever that meant to him, he wanted to move out of that. And we feel this dread as Varg is preparing. Yeah, because you see Varg like on his way. Yeah, which results into fear. Yeah. I felt that fear and that anticipation of, oh my God, no, don't open the door. Don't let him in. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, maybe he's not going to hurt him. Like, there was a concern I had for the characters. I didn't want to see anybody get hurt. And when the stabbing began, and I say began, because this was a long, drawn out death. This wasn't like scream. Where Drew Barrymore's running from the house and the and the characters the uh, ghost face is stabbing her, and it's oh. really over the top ridiculous. Like no one would die. Like how that happened. This is this is almost like watching a real murder scene. Yes. Um, yeah. And, like because it goes on for I would say seven minutes least, to yeah. maybe eight minutes, nine minutes somewhere. Probably there. feels like longer, but it's yes, probably only it felt that. like a half hour. <laughs> right. It's, it's probably not as long as we felt it was, but you feel the dread. You see the conversation between the two of them, the anger, the animosity of, um, you know, the, the one of, of one character moving away from that lifestyle, I guess you could say, and the other one not wanting it to stop. Yes. And him wanting to embrace it even more than yeah. he was before. Yeah. And his pure hatred for the fact that, because there is one thing we kind of glossed over, but like Varg, he ended up doing an interview with these people yes. and admitted to these church burnings. And like, uh, that is like another form of narcissism right there where Absolutely. he wants to take, he wants people to know that he did this. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he has to have validation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, obviously that ends up winding up getting him in trouble and but also is what ends up getting the band recognition because the UK magazine Kerrang! gets a hold of Euronymous. And then, of course, Euronymous, being the narcissist he is, is taking credit for what Varg did. And Varg gets released and basically tells Euronymous, fuck off, you're a poser. You have been faking this this whole time. You're not true black metal like you say you are. Yeah. And that's kind of what leads, like, well, and then... Uh, 
you know, I, you could tell that Uranus wants to sever ties with Varg after that yep. and sends him that contract. And yep. that is kind of what trick. And then he hears that Uranus was so pissed off, like that Varg ratted out all this stuff that Uranus was going to kill him. Yeah. And that's what v- triggered Varg to just go and do this violent crime that actually. And the buildup. It was premeditated. Yes. There were lots of opportunities for him to stop. Uh, to change his plans, and he didn't. Yes, exactly. Like he had many opportunities to like stop and turn around, mm-hmm. like because of like the way he was riding with his buddy, and his buddy is like, "Oh, we need to stop and get gas." Like we can't stop for gas; we need to go now. Well, we're not going to make it if we don't stop and get gas. All right, and then <laughs> oh crap! Now people have seen us and not having the money for gas. Yeah, and, and having okay, to use, use my credit card. card, and we'll say it's stolen. Yes, you know it. It's it's showing the descent into hate which is horror yeah you know as we went through this movie i could see why someone watching it would be like well it's not horror it's yeah. it but if you don't call it horror then what is it yeah. you know who would watch this besides a horror fan and i don't know if it would go under drama i did not from my understanding of dramas i don't i don't feel that it fit fully under that um because of the level of premeditated violence that is in it, the gruesomeness of the violence, and the darkness that is discussed in it, um, the the manipulation that yes. is discussed in it, uh, it was it was definitely well acted. Like props to the acting too, just to make another point there. Like <sighs> the acting was so fucking good. Like I know you said you had a little issue with Varg. I don't know if you still do. Like after um, having some time with it, yeah. I just I didn't. I think he probably played the character correctly. I just didn't care for the character. Right. But that is a minor criticism. Yeah, because like <coughs> the performances, the performances in this were just all around. At least in my eyes, all around just phenomenal. And like, and I think it falls in the category of horror. And tying back to our conversation and you know the articles that we read earlier, it it triggers some fear. Like that fear I felt during that final scene and during the suicide scene, and during some dreams were in the woods and the and the hallucination of threatening of 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 the one character asking Romulus to shoot him over and over again, mm. like. And that was pure nightmare fuel. Yeah, it was it was anxiety driven for me. And it hit fear. And I think it would hit fear on a, on a lot of people. Not everybody. But it definitely pulled from what we look at, as we talked about earlier, as definitions of horror. Yep, because I was just going to say, like, we could move into the whole thing of, is it horror? And yes, like, you obviously agree that it is horror. And to me, like, pretty much what you said, yes, it is horror. Like, and another thing I'd like to point out is... This is a true crime. Mm-hmm. And what's more horror than real life horror? It's true. And I will say that the scenes of violence and like just the dread that and the just like what they showed with this violence is probably the most uncomfortable I've been all year of 2019 really? horror films. Yes. Really? Wow. Okay. That's like, interesting. Like, some of this stuff was, like, it just, nah, it's left an imprint on me to the point where I could close my eyes and remember these scenes wow. for the rest of my life. And why do you think that is, Scott? 
I'm not sure. Like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's the fact, like, the, well, for one, suicide, like, I've talked to you about this too before. Suicide gets to me. Mm-hmm. And just, like, that suicide scene especially is what affected me the most. Because mm-hmm. seeing the way he sliced up his arms, and, like, they do up-close oh, shots. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, graphic. they don't shy away at all. Yes. And, like... When it comes to a knife slicing, like not stabbing, but just like slicing, yes. I feel that whenever I watch a film. I gotta agree with you. It it definitely you can almost envision it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, but yeah, like the scenes of violence and murder in this are probably the most brutal and most uncomfortable I've been all year long. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I feel like this is horror because it hits something with me that made me uncomfortable and like i was saying like who would watch this film except for black metal fans of the band that are fans of the band and know the history and horror fans and black metal and horror are pretty much one in the same fan genre yeah fans of the genre so like there's no doubt in my mind like yes this is a biopic but it is a true crime and it is Violent. They didn't have to show the violence that they did to get their point across, but they did. And that's what I feel makes this horror. Like, the dread, the Mm build-up, the showing of the violence, the uncomfortable scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that this is horror. And it is why it will be in my horror category when I go to decide what my top ten of the year is. You know, you said it perfectly. I don't think I can add to anything you said. You, you said it perfectly. Um, yeah, because I don't know what else we can really talk about. I mean, because biopics are kind of like, you can kind of dive in a little bit. But, you know, like a lot of people, if you know the band or you know the history, like you didn't know the history leading into no, this. No, I you knew nothing knew, about it. Yeah. I went in completely blind. Yeah, and that's like, if you didn't know the history, it makes it, because yeah, that, I can see why you'd just be like, why would the hell would he make me think or make me watch this and discuss if it's horror or not like i could totally say because you don't know what's going on like yeah. why <laughs> and but yeah i think we pretty much set our piece like but we should uh like we we're gonna do ratings uh yeah. we're gonna go through uh zero to ten ratings yeah. uh with point fives. absolutely so what would you give this heather i definitely give it a 9.5 9.5 yeah it's almost a 10 for me i i didn't care for the one at characters acting but on a rewatch it might be a 10 uh, but exceptional movie, but I will say it is not for the faint of heart. No, I think that, <laughs> no, it's um, not. you, you know, I think if you are, um, you enjoy biopics, you enjoy a uh, good story, good development. It's excellent. Um, but be prepared for some pretty tough scenes. Yes. And maybe those aren't tough for you and that's fine. And you're listening to this right now and you're going, no, that doesn't bother me. Great. For some, it may. Yep. It de- and as you can tell from me, it, definitely got under my skin yeah and that that's amazing that it was that high up yeah it was a very good film yeah for me this is a 10 out of 10 yeah like this is also the second time i watched it so like i think when i first watched it i was with you a 9.5 i'm like because i never give a straight 10 out of 10 the first time i watch a film because either the film's gonna go up or down on the second watch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but yeah like 9.5 is where i'd sit if it's like oh I think this could be the next, like, 
amazing film of the year. Like I'll put it at a 9.5 and see what my feelings are when I rewatch it. And rewatching it, yep, it's a straight 10 out of 10. I loved this movie like for the way it made me feel. Like and this like and I'm a fan of a lot of black metal, so I like I kind of like that whole Norwegian uh, black metal scene and stuff like that, so I can relate to it a bit. And like I knew a bit of the history of mayhem before going into this film, and yeah, fuck. If you if you are the type of person that I would say likes biopics, is a fan of black metal, a fan of horror, or just want to watch something that just shocks and appalls you, this is the type of film you need to see. Because yes, this is straight horror for me, and yeah, ten out of ten. Nice. And uh, so we're going to jump into our next film, which is The Nightingale. Sing a song. The one for me. I wish I were yonder hill. We don't want no trouble. That's just the way, isn't it? You don't want trouble, but sometimes trouble wants you. I'd sit and cry my Get me to the soldiers that came by this morning. It's too dangerous. Up north, they kill us. You sure you want to follow him? Every tear would turn a man. They close. What are you doing? Ah! I don't want no trouble. I'll sell my rock, I'll sell my wheel. Sell my only spinning wheel. You know what it's like to have a white fella take everything you have, don't you? I, my love, a sword of steel. What's your name again? Claire. I'm not your boy. I'm Mangana, the blackbird. I wish, I wish, I wish in vain. You white ones go fast, fast, fast. Get nowhere. I go slow. I wish I had my love the little bird thought she was going to die out there in the forest. <laughs> Suddenly, she was free. So our next film is going to be The Nightingale, and the synopsis for this is set in 1825. Claire, a young Irish convict woman, chases a British officer through the rural Tasmanian wilderness, bent on revenge for a terrible act of violence he committed against her family. On the way, she enlists the service of an Aboriginal tracker named Billy, 
who is also marked by trauma from his own violent past. This was written by a woman and directed by the same woman. Yep, who is so also Jennifer- known for directing The Babadook. That's right. So Jennifer Kent um, was the writer and the director of this film. So much like you asked me my thoughts, I'm going to ask you what your initial thoughts were on this film. All right. So like I had told you, I had watched this, but I didn't give it the full amount of attention that it deserved the first time. This is the second rewatch for me. That first watch... Like, I was kind of on the border of, like, okay, I don't know if this is horror or not. Like, I, like there's some, obviously, a scene in the beginning that we will get to, but I was like, I'm not sure about the rest. Mm-hmm. This second watch, like, made me appreciate this film more and unsettled me even more and made me see things about it that I not, did not see the first time. And I just loved it like i like you know about me i love my period pieces Mm -hmm. and this is kind of like historical period Mm -hmm. um the i thought the acting was incredible especially from claire and billy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially when we looked up billy and find out that this is his first ever film yes first ever film and he did such a phenomenal job like Mm -hmm. You felt for this character through everything that he did. Same with Claire. You felt what she was going through. Yes. Like, I don't think there was a single bad actor in this film. No. Like, everyone... Even the child was good. Yeah. And, fuck, this, uh... It was a bit long. Yes. Like, but at the same time, looking back, I don't know if there's anything that can be cut from it. I would agree with you. I would agree. Like, this is the year of long run times with horror films, for sure. Like, 2019, long run times. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's very few horror films that are hit under that two hour mark, it seems. Yeah. Which, most time I have no problem with. Sometimes they can be meandering and that's, like, they don't know how to make it go that long. But yeah, with this film, yeah, it was a bit long, like, so be prepared for the long haul. But, yeah. Every piece of this was important to the story. Yep. And that guy, I am very, because uh, I was okay with Babadook. I seen why it was lauded as such a great horror film. Mm-hmm. I had issues with it. I still liked it. Mm-hmm. But it was not like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. But her sophomore effort, wow. Yeah, I am really impressed and this apparently seems to be the year of amazing sophomore efforts for a lot of directors so for canadian fans that would be grade 10 grade 10 <laughs> what's <is> that <laughs> sophomore is grade 10 in oh, canada we okay, don't actually gotcha. call it small sophomore <laughs> gotcha okay <laughs> that was my canadian humor i added take off you hoser <laughs> all right so uh before i get my ass kicked for saying that <laughs> What would your thoughts be on this film? Well, first of all, I get very much why it was written and directed by a woman. Yes. Um, I I am a historical nut. I happen to have some knowledge of what was happening in the 1800s there, just from courses I've taken. Um, and it was very accurate. It was, it was scary accurate. Um, it was accurate about how women were treated, how Irish women were treated. It was, it was, it was accurate to how aboriginals from Tasmania were treated. 
Um, it talked about the horrors of society, a horrors of history, and it really represented with today. And the fear of the unknown, the fear of the stranger. Um, you know, on base, basic, basic bitch, it's a rape revenge film, I think. There's oh, yeah. another JP, shouts off to JP, who said this himself. But I think if we look at how we go deeper into this, this is a, a historical film that talks about the the fear of the stranger, the fear of the unknown, the um, the oppression that has occurred in society. And, and whether people want to admit it or not, by Britain was one of the original pressures. And it was relevant in this film. And how oppression occurs today. There's We could take some of those conversations and move them into modern day society change the words a little bit but the theme is still scarily there yes like you nailed that on the head because <laughs> yes this can this is very relatable to today's <laughs> society in so many ways mm-hmm. and like you like you uh mentioned it last night but uh but uh like the uh after effects of colonization yeah like the atrocities that happen when this happens Yes. Like, we're just going to come onto your land and take over and not give a shit how this affects you. And let's look at the word, civilize. Yes. I civilized these lands. And before I get too much on my political high horse, because my passion there are political movies that are in horror films, um, you know, tied with a period piece and how accurately it was Representative. So if we honestly think that Irish people weren't treated like this and the Aboriginals weren't treated like this. We're wrong. They were. Oh, yeah. Like this happened. The, the hangings of Aboriginal members, the, the, the villainization of Irish people, the raping, the graphic raping of women happened. Yes. Aborigines, Irish. It didn't matter. Yeah. It was it was graphic. Women were seen as property and. When you were in a position of power, like our main character, um, Hawkins, who was the main sergeant or lieutenant, the lieutenant, lieutenant, um, that's what occurred, you know, and, and I think this female director, this is how you educate people on the oppression of women. This is how you give a good historical overview of what has happened in the past and colonization without shoving it down people's throats. Yep. And you don't shy away. From yes. what actually happened. You don't you don't make it so in your face that you don't want to listen. This this movie was about educating people. Yes. About here's what happened. Like it's not up for debate here. Yes, what did that specific story happen? Probably not. But there's a Claire out there. There's a Billy oh, yeah. out there. There's a Hawkins out there that existed in eighteen twenty five in that country. And that happened. And it didn't just happen there. It happened in Australia. It happened in over here in North America. I say North America, including Canada and the United States. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's happened. And I think Pretty that much any time colonization has happened. Any time colonization has happened. And, you know, that to me is what made it horror. Obviously, there were graphic scenes. There's a scene that I did have to look away where, yet again, spoilers are here. A baby is killed. Um, yeah, that was... When I first watched this film, that was the scene that I was going, okay, I can see why people would call this horror originally. Like I said, I still was on the fence. Yeah. But that scene was very uncomfortable. Very much so. And very traumatizing and horrifying to see. Yes. Because just of what was occurring 
during all of that, like everyone was reacting and just freaking out in different ways. You had Claire who's being beaten and raped. You have Hawkins who's almost looks like it affected him that he did what he did, mm-hmm. but at the same time was like pissed. Absolutely. And then you, I can't remember the character's name that actually did the killing of the baby, but you had him freaking out. trying Jago. To, yeah, Jago. Jago. You had him freaking out, trying yeah. to calm the baby and keep the baby quiet, and then out of frustration and fear, and just he just goes reactionary and does like the most vilest thing you could do. Basically throws the baby against the wall. So what happens is the, the this woman is being continuously raped by the lieutenant, lieutenant that's there, the, our main character, Husband finds out. Obviously, any husband would be upset. Come back, as Scott has has explained. There's this graphic scene, and the rape scene to me was very accurate. Um, not that I think there's any unaccurate way to say a rape scene, but this woman goes goes dead. Yes, she goes soulless. Yep, you see her stare into like a fire or find a spot on a wall and just kind of just zone out and zone out and. The baby's crying. There's just chaos. The Drago show, throws the baby against the wall. And though you don't necessarily see the full impact, you know what happened. Yep, and you kind of see it in the background. And that's yes. all you need. And it's very... It, to force me to look away from the TV, because I it was upsetting. Um, and then her reaction the next day, very accurate. She's holding her dead baby. Walking into town holding the dead baby. Um, and no one believes her. Because she is an Irish woman that's a former convict. First of all, she's a woman. Second of all, she's not of upper class. She's yep. a servant, basically. Um, and she's Irish. And th- and this is reality. Like, this is this is what happened. And yet again, maybe Claire's not real, but that, that story is not inaccurate to what has occurred. Precisely. Yeah, that, that scene in general is just, like, something that would haunt me from this film and then like the suffering that she goes through for the rest of the film Mm -hmm. like she because what she pretty much does is she hires a tracker which she calls boy but that is billy Mm -hmm. and it's one of the aborigines that they've pretty much they refer to as blacks by the way yes who are not actually considered blacks they were part of various aboriginal tribes so that even goes to show you know continuous racial profiling that occurred even in the 1800s exactly and like you can see like the just constant belittling of these people that they find worthless Mm -hmm. like they have uses and they're using them for their uses in their eyes and she belittles him yep and he belittles her yes like they are back and forth like which that is one of the things that i loved about this movie was the way they their uh, chemistry together on screen. Absolutely. Because, yeah, she treated him like he was beneath her. And he treated her like she was, like he was calling him the white devil. Like, that came Mm -hmm. in and ruined his life. Though he did not realize, you know, that she was not part of uh, the Britain. Mm -hmm. And, but when they finally make that connection and realize, oh, you are not one of them. Mm Mm-hmm they kind of get that mutual understanding together and that's when like their chemistry really works together and you feel for these characters as they are like bonding as they are forced to like help each other through this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like 
now like uh like you see these scenes with her when they're sleeping overnight by bonfires and she's having these visions of her dead husband holding the baby saying like we're safe now and this and that but as he's talking you start seeing the wounds from where he was killed and he starts bleeding from them and then she almost like reenacts the scenes with Hawkins raping her again and the other guy would I forget his name but yeah like you see the you know the trauma that this has caused on her and Bruce was his Bruce, name yes and the one thing I gotta say like you know, like like you were saying, this is the skeletal structure, most basic of basics, is a rape revenge film. Mm-hmm. With way more meaning. Mm-hmm. But, a thing with rape revenge films is, yes, you see the trauma the person has gone through, the woman. Mm-hmm. But, when it comes to the actual committing of the revenge and getting, you know, karma, catching up to these guys, mm-hmm. you don't see, you, a lot of the time you don't see the effect on the woman committing these acts of revenge. Yes. Like you don't see like how that's starting to affect her. Cause yes, every time she ends up killing somebody like that is a image of someone that she starts to see forever haunting her. Yes. Like you could see that taking a life just ruins her like a little more at a Which time. Which would actually happen. Yeah. Like, and, and even the scenes with the, with the bayonets, like, the shootings in here are realistic. You have to reload the gun each time. Yeah, and it takes a long <laughs> time to reload those. And even the stabbings and everything else, murder scenes in this, or killing scenes, whatever you want to describe it is, so accurate. Yes, and it is not quick deaths. Yes. And, like, yeah, like, the effect that these, like, acts of revenge that she's having, just the way that it affects her. Okay, we can. I guess we can kind of just jump into it. Is it horror? Yes, because the way these, the initial scene, obviously, mm-hmm. but then just the trauma and everything that she goes through and the atrocities that you see done to these Aborigines people, like mm-hmm. everything she's experienced, even her own revenge, which was pretty violent at times, very much so. But you could even see the effects uh, that were wearing down on her psyche Mm -hmm. and the nightmares that she was having. And like the one that really fucking got to me was when they're walking into town and you see these white folk walking with these Aborigines group Mm -hmm. and their Billy is talking to them and like their own language and asking about what tribe they're from. Mm -hmm. And you find out that Billy's tribe has been completely wiped out. And you find out, like, they're the last of their tribe. And, like, they're starting to finally, like, try to stand up for themselves and ignore, like, what the white folk were trying to do. And then they just get shot right there, dead in the middle of the street. Yeah. That, to me, was horrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. And it actually made me close my eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know it's coming. Yeah. And you know it's coming, and the... And it's almost like they were shooting, and I don't want to say animals because I don't think animals shooting is any better, but it was like they were shooting nothing. Yes. They almost treated it as like a target practice. Yes. That's a good, that's a very good description. Like there was really no effect. And sorry if if there is any weird noise and we have a cat rubbing (laughs) his face on the microphone at the moment. Pet cemetery cat. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, would you consider this horror? Absolutely. I think this really 
you know, I'm a history buff, um, and this really stuck to me on societal hist- societal horror and the realities of what has happened in our world. And I give this woman the most kudos ever. Jennifer Kent is a phenomenal writer, and as a female, she represented the struggle for women during that time, the struggle of Aboriginals during that time, Aboriginal women during that time. Very, like, extremely well done. There's a scene at the dinner table where Billy breaks down and says, this was our land. Oh, my God. That scene was so heartbreaking. And and it's a horror. Like, there is, you know, there's the graphic nightmare pieces that come with it. There's a, there's a, there's some pretty graphic deaths. Um, yes, on, on the bare level, it's the rape revenge, but it's so much more than that. It's a, it's a raping of a country. Yeah. And of that is peoples. a very good way of looking at it. And it's, you know... There's some stuff in there that's not too far off from happens today. And I'm not saying everywhere and I'm not trying to get people up in a whole political upheaval. But, you know, we've we've come so far and sometimes we go backwards. And I think it's important that we, you know, acknowledge that these things happened and pretend that they didn't. 1825 is not long ago. No. And I, I think we it's important that we educate ourselves. And, and yes, this story, this this movie isn't talking about a real story, but it's talking about stuff that happened. And I think that's important. Yes, very. Like. I guess we can go into our ratings for yeah. this. What do you think? Um, man, I'm I'm going nine point five on this. Yep. And I'm thinking if I watch it again, because this is one of those that was uncomfortable for me to watch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I ever watch it again, it's probably gonna go up. It will probably be a ten out of ten because this. This one was a very heavy film. Mm-hmm. Like, it had a lot of deep meaning and subject to it, and the way it was portrayed. Mm-hmm. Like, Jennifer Kent, kudos to you. You, yeah. you did an amazing job on this film, and it just, like, everything about it was just heart-wrenching. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. I, I'm at a 10. You're at a 10? Yeah, I'm at a 10 out of 10 on it. I would recommend it to anybody. Um... You know, if it's not your jam, you get halfway through and you don't like it, cool. Like, no no, no, no harm lost. But I think that even if you're not a horror fan, I think that this movie needs to be watched. Yes. This can teach people things. Yeah. For sure. And, okay, on that heavy note, we are going to go into just uh, giving our plugs where you can find <laughs> us and everything because... Yeah, I, I just don't know where to go from here at I this point. I think that's perfect, though. We could talk about our plugs. Um Earlier, Scott and I talked about our other show that we're on with Nudie from NFW and Android and Venom. Yep. We, there's the five of us, and uh, it's called It's Not Horror. Okay. And uh, we have a fun time. Yes, it is just a fun, random conversations while we watch silly action movies, and it's just like 90% of the time we don't even talk about the movies. Yeah, I would and, say that's pretty fair. Like, we just bring up random stuff and just have it's just a fun time um viewer discretion is advised so. <laughs> yes <laughs> definitely <laughs> there may be some things that may offend <laughs> there may be some things that may offend um you can also find me on nfw uh i've made some appearances on kill the cast and i look forward to working with Derek carly in the future and most recently i was on fresh cuts where we talked about the amazing film that was black christmas 2019 <laughs> And I guess I'll let you talk about um, some stuff that we're doing together and stuff you're doing. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me on, obviously, our show here. Um, I'm going to be on It's Not oh, uh, it's not Horror. Okay. <laughs> um, but then, yes, we have. Uh, I have a 
future pro- future project in the works with my old co-host Tim from the podcast by the cemetery. Uh, who knows when it's going to be getting off the ground because we're both lazy asses when it comes to this, but we're going to be calling uh, it's going to be called the movie closet where we're just going to cover different genres of TV, film, whatever, just whatever we're in the mood to talk about. Um, we're just going to be kind of uh, playing it loose with that. Um, but then, yep, Heather and I will be making a guest appearance on the horror cast where we'll be covering our top 10 uh, episode or top 10 movies of 2019. Uh, by the time you hear this, it will probably already be out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also uh, catch me as a guest on the Bloody Bits year end special where I will be doing my top 10 films of 2019 with Jason Lloyd. And we were also on Bloody Bits, the, um, oh yeah, and the, the Christmas, Christmas special, the Christmas special. So I did a solo cast. Yes, which you did an amazing job at. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Hey, you should all listen to it because it's just so good. It and... is. <laughs> if you want to see how to review a movie, or if you want to hear how to review a horror film, check her, check out Heather's review. My God. And you and Tim did one as well. Yep. Ours was a different style and was more <laughs> off the cuff type deal. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I I suggest, if you like anthologies of podcasting... Yeah, that's actually a good way of putting it. Right? Um, And more than anything, support your podcasting brothers and sisters in this community. Oh, for sure. Like, even if you don't listen to the episode, just download it for us. (laughs) Yeah, whatever you can do. (laughs) Like, it, it helps. Like, any download helps for anybody. So, like, if you're a friend of someone that's doing a podcast, just download it, then erase it. Like, <laughs> that's true like you don't have to listen if you're not into podcasts but just you know help your friends out absolutely um but yeah you'll also be able um keep an eye out for a facebook page for the pod uh the friday nightmares podcast yep it'll be awesome we'll put polls like do you think scream 3 is a good movie do you think no. <laughs> do you think gremlins 2 is a good movie yes <laughs> And other things that Scott and I disagree on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have polls on our topics of discussion yes, as we'll. we'll have and... relevant polls as well, not just where we try to prove each other wrong. <laughs> Though that will be a lot of fun doing that as well. <laughs> good times, good times. Well, yes, I hope you guys enjoyed our first episode. And yeah, we're going to try doing this once a month in person. Like, you know, weather or illness permitting, we may have to Skype at some point. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I think we'll be able to do this, like, in person once a month and each... if Scott keeps letting me come here yeah we'll we'll see if like <laughs> if she keeps talking about how bad Gremlins 2 is we may not be able to continue this this may be the one and done episode here I hope you guys liked it <laughs> but yeah I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope to hear some feedback from it and mm-hmm. uh, yeah definitely let us know what you think any suggestions that you want us, like any suggestions of topics you want us to cover or something like that Feel free to let us know. And we are also just, you know, and I know that Exploding Heads and 22 Shots have this too, but Scott and I are also from two different countries and two different cultures and being male and female, I think we're kind of unique. Yeah. So if you wanted to do something like we could even compare a Canadian film against an American film. So all my Canadian brothers, sisters are out, they are out there if you wanted to suggest a film and all of Scott's American homies, if they want to suggest one, we could even do that. We could do right. some Border Wars. Yes. Who has the better horror films? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, until next time, we will see you in your dreams. Bye, guys.
Arun Shoko Sakirak Shoko Kyun Shoko Tarasak Zewi Lom Isko enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.